National Rescue Consultants presents Train to Live podcast with Herb Tyler, Greg Rogers, and Rob Ramirez. Talking all things fire and technical rescue. So pour a drink and enjoy the show. What's up, fellas? What's going on? Rob, Herb. What's going on, boys? What's up, Greg? How's it What's up, up, Herb? Not much. <clears throat> we got a good uh, good show today. Looking forward to this one. It's going to be a good one. Me too, bud. It's going to be a great one. It's, uh... Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like this class is or this uh, this show is pretty good. It's taken. It's kind of taken and adding right onto our last week's deal that we had with the whole VES and everything. So it's going to be good. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's uh, these are two guys that are definitely uh, making a name for themselves in the fire service. It's uh, I've, I've been following them for a while. It's uh. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to just uh, talking shop with these boys. Same here. These two guys have been uh, killing it. If you've been to a conference anywhere in the state of Florida, Florida or outside the state in the last couple of years, uh, you've heard of these two gentlemen. They're all over the place. They're part of that, you know, 10 percenters, one percenters at times. And uh, they're very like-minded brothers. And uh, I'm myself excited to talk shop with them on a Friday night and see what's on their mind. Uh, we'll get right into the introductions. Uh, our two guests today are Pablo Jenner and Sean Duffy from Build Your Culture. Uh, Pablo's a 13-year fireman. Uh, he's, a, he's had special ops team experience. He's an instructor at the Marion County Fire Rescue Training Division. He's a peer fitness trainer at the Marion County Fire Rescue Health and Wellness Center. He's participated and taught at multiple fire conferences, full events across the nation, and instructed. He's been a full member since 08. Pablo's one of those guys that gets me fired up every time I hear him talk. I've known him for many years, and I'm super psyched to have him on the show. Sean Duffy. Uh, if you haven't seen Sean speak or heard him speak or you haven't heard of him in the Florida area, uh, you've been living under a rock. He's been on the job for about 16 years, currently works for the city of Venice in southwest Florida. He has uh, He's worked for both city and county fire departments. He's one of the co-founders of the Build Your Culture Company. Uh, he's developed courses entitled Searchable versus Survivable, uh, Educated Decision Making at the Fireground and Build Your Culture Professionalism or Minimalism. Um, I've had the honor and the ability to uh, listen to him speak a couple times. I've watched a bunch of his other podcasts and interviews. The guy's a total stud, and him and Pablo make a great team. Uh, Sean, along with Pablo, have taught at several conferences throughout the country, and they also remain active members of the Marion County Fools chapter. And, and bottom line, man, he just enjoys passing his knowledge that he's gained throughout the years to uh, the students of the game. And uh, without further ado, let's get him on the show. What's up, what fellas? What's going on, fellas? Hey What's guys, up, how are you? Doing, doing good, on? doing good. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys for having us on, man. Thank you. That's Thanks for being here, for man. On. We're excited. It's uh, it's gonna be one of those events, just like uh, like we talked about when we asked you guys to come on. It's literally uh, it's like we're sitting at sitting at the firehouse talking shop, no hold bars. So it, it's it's gonna be an epic uh, epic time, I think. Okay. Yeah. Hey, um. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. It's going to be good times. I'd like to uh, comment on Greg's mustache. Looks amazing. And uh, Pablo's shirt looks amazing <laughs> as well. 
Pop Polo yes. shirt is he's filling every ounce of that thing out, dude. I train to live boy. Hey, he's he's rocking the train to live uh body paint edition shirt. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, uh you're gonna be our new cover boy. No doubt it. about that, dude. We're yeah, gonna be man. pulling them. I'm in. All medium. Medium, <laughs> medium, medium. <laughs> du- double X medium. It's a new it's size literally- we got. There's two ways for everybody to know in this world that that we fucking work out. One, you got to post it on Facebook, and two, you got to wear a really small shirt. Other than no. that, nobody knows. No, you're missing the third one, man. You got to jiggle your titties. <laughs> go ahead. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm that. That's the toast of the night, right there. I'm gonna drink to that. Uh, titty jiggle. Oh, titty. Here, here's the titty jiggle. Nice. Guys, All that's right, the so first we're... male titty jiggle we've had on the show. Yes, you're welcome. We're gonna have to up the ratings to R. It was PG until Pablo came on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea. He took all the words I needed to use the last time we worked together. Right. You're so pissed, bro. You were so pissed. Hey, so I'm gonna get they off. Told, I'm gonna get it off my chest told, before we start. They told Robbie that he couldn't curse, and he, for whatever reason, listened. <laughs> yeah, so we're teaching at this church, right? And it was a church. It was the, the conference rented yeah, out of yeah, church. It was a church. So, so I come out of the hole. I'm the first speaker, and the guy tells me, "Hey, no cursing. The guy's here. No problem." I behaved for an hour straight. Fast forward after lunch, Pablo goes up there. He didn't give a shit. He was dropping <laughs> f bombs every other word. He was freaking using every adjective, every four letter word I've ever heard. And he and he and he wasn't being shy about it. At least uh, forty fucks in the interview. Absolutely. And I was so upset that he used all the words. I'm over here making up words that don't even exist. <laughs> Just trying not to cuss. Oh, oh man. man, that's good stuff. We did we did all a right, class boy. too, and we had to we had to slide over into into the church, and the other instructor I was with was like, "Hey man, should we be cussing in here?" And we're like, "Nah, it's the Sunday school deal. It's not really the church. We let it ride. <laughs> Just let yeah, it go." Pablo let it rip, bro. Let it rip. I was so jealous, too. <laughs> so jealous. So jealous. Oh, man. And you and you refused to wear the headset, too. I remember you wouldn't wear the headset or the mic because you, no, you could hear headset. you in the bathroom. Yeah, I couldn't. So I didn't wear a headset because I went to the bathroom. This is when Robbie was on. I went to the bathroom and I'm in the I'm in the pistol, you know, I'm taking a leak. And all of a sudden I hear his voice and I look up and there's a little speaker right over the bathroom, all over all your, the urinals. And I literally hear his voice and I'm like, there's not a fucking way in hell I can wear the speaker. And like, there's like classes going on across this entire thing. There's, if I wear this speaker, I'm going to be blasted all over this like 10,000 square foot church. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So fuck it. I went a cappella on that shit. <laughs> hey, dude. Nice. Hey, dude. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. It was beautiful. I had a blast. I'm so jealous. Hey, so. All right, Harry, I'm going to go ahead and lead off. Let's do it. <clears throat> all right. Let's, let, let's get right into it, boys. Uh, you guys are very well known for your searchable versus survivable program. It's uh, one of my favorites. I love the, the shift in culture. The, uh, I remember a couple of years back when it all became about identifying profiling buildings, identifying survivable spaces. And that became like the, the, the niche class. It became the, the word every instructor in every conference was using. Uh, survivable space, survivable space, uh, victim profiling, building profiling. And a lot of guys hung their hat on it and did a lot of classes on that. And then uh, we had a culture shift. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and lead this off and ask you guys about the mindset behind one of your best-known classes, Searchable versus Survivable. 
I'm going to ask you guys, you know, take turns. Uh, please talk a little bit about that idea, where it came from, and why it's important for our members to understand the difference between the two and why you saw that need uh, to go out there and start that message. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll lead it off because this conversation fires me up every single time, and, and I absolutely love it. I could talk for days on this shit. So you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about um, profiling, right? Mm -hmm. That shit pisses me off so bad because depending on who you ask, it means different things, right? And I think that what happened was it was easy for people to show up onto the fire ground and just say, nah, everyone's dead. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything. And there's really like no repercussion for that, which is fucking terrible, right? right. So I started thinking about all my frustrations on fires that I was going to and, and things that I've watched and, and manpower not being used and the excuses I heard. And everybody at the table does the same thing. They all seek some sort of validation afterwards, right? <laughs> like, hey, you saw what I saw, right? There's no way that anybody could be alive in there, right? right. And to me, if, if you're at that point where you're seeking that validation, you know you fucked up. Mm -hmm. You didn't do the right thing. And because of that, um, I was like, you know, we, we got to do a better job of realizing that we're awesome in the fire service at assigning names to shit, but we're not really mm -hmm. good at understanding why we're doing it. So um, I believe it was Chief Isaacson. He, he said, uh, you know, searchable's up to us, survivable's up to God, period. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, you know, there's all kinds of things that go on in a fire scene that we don't have control over. But the one thing that we are taught all the way back from recruit school is life safety. Number one priority on the fire ground always has been always will be. It's not going to change. If that is our number one priority, then why are we putting it way down on this list of tactical priorities on the fire ground? Yeah. Just didn't make sense to me. Um, so Pablo and I were at Orlando fire conference about 2019 and we were talking about it, you know, and, and I, we were just, pretty fired up and i said it's searchable versus survival it's really that simple the objective should always be there to get in there and search the spaces that we have left period mm -hmm. hand that victim off to ems who's outside and and the rest is there but you did your job you searched and, and you found a victim um i just have a huge problem with people just immediately assuming nobody's in the building mm -hmm. you know and so when we titled that that's the whole reason we titled it that because we wanted people to think the difference between the two Right. Um, if I say to you search profiling, you might tell me something different. If I if I say to Pablo, what's, um, you know, um, ten tenable space, he might say something different. So it's really about sizing up our search effort. If we can keep it that simple and realize, like, I can get in this building or I can get in this space with my bunker gear and I can search it. Then you you owe it to them to do so. Um, build a construction, high windows, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If, if you got a fire with a high exhaust point, man, there's still like few three to four feet below that window. That's clean air. And, and that, per, that person's sucking that clean air. And you're just going to write them off because of your observable conditions from the exterior. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I, I can't like wrap my head around why that's okay. Um, so I just wanted to get, you know, the facts out there from the, the rescue surveys, um, show people where we're more successful get that aggressive mindset back and, and show them like, Hey, you know, it might just be one room and that's okay. But at least you can walk away from that fire scene knowing you did everything you can do. And, um, 
you know, if we're if we're telling people to close their doors at night like we've been, you got to get your ass in that building, period, because they're expecting you to come get them, and we're not doing it. So uh, that's that's kind of my spiel on it of, of what initiated me to start that class. Um, and I'll let Pablo chime in on, on what his feelings are on it. But, you yeah, know, brothers, they're not too different from yours, brother. I mean, obviously, it's something that, that we <clears throat> that we share similar feelings on. You know, I from my experiences throughout just uh, uh, traveling and just uh, being involved with 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 full chapters. And the cool thing about being a part of full chapters that you're able to see different parts of the state uh, and be and be privileged to see different different people operate. It's not just your own department. So from when I speak, I'm not just speaking about my own department or other departments I've worked for. I'll talk about because I've been a, an active pools member for the better part of 13 years. I've been able to, I've been able to witness a lot of different uh, cultures throughout the state and country and just different and, and pick the brains of different individuals. Hence the reason we're all sitting here right now. Um, but two things that we completely suck at in, in general is uh, ladders and like ladders, like placing ladders, ladder, pl ladder placement, ladder throwing, uh, getting comfortable with ladders. Um, that's a different story for a whole different day. Uh, but uh, the other thing that we just absolutely fucking suck at is searching for whatever reason. So if you think about this like like this, right? When we get when we get off the rig, from an engine standpoint, we drop we drop uh, uh, hand lines. Let's just say for argument's sake, we do everything great. We stretch properly. We do the 360. Mm -hmm. We harp on all this type of stuff to make sure our engine companies are doing the right the proper thing. But the search. Everybody goes to the front door and fucking just goes in and just either goes right or left because that's all they know because that's all they taught. They've been taught. That's what makes them feel safe. Nobody does a 360. Nobody does a 360. Nobody looks at the, at, at the, at the, at the layoffs. Nobody looks at the buildings. Nobody, when I, when I get off the rig, when I'm on a rescue company, uh, on ambulance down here for the state of Florida, whoever uh, watching from across the country, whenever I'm on the ambulance and I'm assigned to a, to, to, to a, to a, a search, I do a 360. I want to look at the building layout. All the windows are going to tell me a different story. All of this, of the, like John said, the high exhaust points. I'm looking for high exhaust points. I'm looking at where the fire is at. Where am I going to start my, 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 my search at? What is the best search that I'm going to be able to, to do for, this, for these people? Is it going to be an, a, a straight, up the, 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 straight up the gut search into the um, Alpha side or Bravo side or the Charlie side? Is it an Orient Man search? Is it a split search? Is it, is it a VES? Is it a VES beyond the door? You know, like we just don't know how to search for whatever reason. We're scared to death. Let's be honest about this. This is an honest conversation. We're fucking scared to death to search. And so that's where, when we talk about like, so uh, when we talked about this at OSC, Sean and I, uh, uh, one of the things that we discussed is we, we were tired of that mentality of the, of the survivability profiling of the not understanding how to do your own 360s. Uh, and I'm, you know, I wrote down little things here to, to remind myself, but looking down the, the, the mentality of no one is alive in there. Like where, where the fuck did that mentality come from? Like, I don't understand that, you know, like that's, that's not my job. My job as a tactician is to understand what the building is letting me know, what the fire is letting me know as a tactician. Um, I should be able to control the building. This is something that's interesting, especially for the brothers and sisters that are listening from across the country that, that fight fires in bigger tenements, and even you guys down there in the, the South Florida area. Um, but from bigger tenements to suburban areas, this is something that the suburban firemen have that, in my opinion, is actually a, a benefit to us. Yes, our, from a suburban standpoint, our tactics, um, our fires burn quicker um, because we have smaller structures. You know, what, what my bread and butter structure is a 1,300, 1,400 square foot home. Yes, it doesn't burn as much as uh, as fat or excuse me, as slow as 
as a as a as a three story or four story brownstone or a multi dwelling or something along those lines. Those guys might have a little bit more time. They have their own uh, uh, issues. Don't get me wrong. But one thing that we have to our advantage from the OVM standpoint, which nobody fucking understands. You 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 master the OVM position. You master the fire ground. That's one fucking thing straight up. So from an OVM standpoint and a suburban firefighting standpoint, you cannot tell me that we cannot dictate where the where the fire is going to go. I could dictate that where that fire is going to go by depending on where I'm going to put my hole, whether it be a vertical vent, whether it be a horizontal vent, whether it be uh, isolating a door. I could dictate where that fire is going to go, especially in the suburban setting, especially in our 12 or 1300 square foot residential. That's something that we really need to understand. So um, when it comes to just like why, you know, why we started the class is because, I mean, simply put, we we're, we're we're scared to throw ladders. It's training stars that follow from the academy. We're scared to death of fucking ladders. You can't you can't throw them. You can't use them as tools. You can't step over them. God forbid you fucking slam them. You know, like any you you know you drag them. We're fucking scared to death of ladders, and we're scared to death of searching. And so it's just one of those things. So uh, ironically, just one of the th- two things that I really really enjoy is just um, uh, uh, ladders, obviously, and searching. And I uh, and I found my little partner in crime is Sean because he literally, uh, we have conversations of hours about all this stuff. Is that, is that the answer? Is his <laughs> so, microphone on? Hey, so, was his microphone on? Did anybody hear him? So no, maybe no, I didn't hear you him. Say, so that was a maybe then is what you're saying? <laughs> no, you know, I love the passion. <laughs> hey, I want to add to something to that. The Sean, what you said too, the searchable. Pablo. Ver- no, Sean said it first. Oh yeah, the whole page. I got it too. I got some Spanish on there too. I'm gonna have to get you to translate that later, Rob. Hey, I got you. I got you, Macho. Thanks, Papa. The uh, so the the searchable versus tenable. Um, it's uh, it's the the person's crew in their comfort zone. That's what it is. So they're not gonna push any farther. They're like, ooh, I feel kind of comfortable right here. You know, I I can't see my feet or or I'm down on one knee and my hip flexors are tight or whatever. Nobody wants to lay on their belly. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to go up, you know, up to the top of the stairs and stick their head in that smoke and take a look to the left or the right, check that tick, and then go, hey, man, we got to move. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to Absolutely. do that anymore. And like yeah. you said, you yeah. killed it when you said that. This this shit's over, dude. Turn this thing off. That was the answer <laughs> to the whole thing. That was it. No, the thing is, like, people's um, actions are often dictated by their experiences, right? Um, so if we're not training and we're learning from people who probably don't train either or maybe have never been to a fire um, where they've had to search, then obviously the the level of importance on their scale kind of drops down. All right. For me, um, I'm going to expect victims every single time, mm-hmm. period. I don't, I don't care if it's a shed fire. You, you just don't know, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's in, um, fire environment where uh, people, there's a lot of poverty, man. People are converting places to livable spaces that should never even be livable spaces. I mean, I've got a picture in our slideshow mm-hmm. where it's literally somebody took a shed, attached it to their double wide mobile home, built a hallway and put their kids in there. And that's where their kids stay every night from mm-hmm. the exterior. If you're not doing a 360 and you just look at that real quick, you're just going to think it's a shed. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're, we're getting really bad at not really inspecting everything either. And when we do the 360s, it shouldn't just be for fire. It's got to be for a search, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have you heard this shit and it fucking drives me nuts? I can't stand it. Oh, well, nobody's ever inside anyway. 
oh, I've been to 15 fires and I haven't found a victim. Chances of you getting a grab in your career are so slim. I don't give a shit if that's true or not. It's not, it's not about that. It's about you said that you were going to do something. You mm-hmm. took that oath when you said that. And the, the citizens expect you to do what you're going to say or uh, do what you, know, you told them that you were going to do. So at the end of the day, I think firemen are fucking scared of the dark, man. I, I really do. Like, oh, gosh, if I go into this hallway and it's dark, I can't see where I'm going. So I've got to hold on to this wall because what do we tell them? If you leave that wall, you're dead. What happens yeah. if you can't find a hose line? What happens if the door shuts behind you? Mm-hmm. And it's just like all of these, yeah. like Pablo said, these training scars. Mm-hmm. Man, we're not even changing how we do shit in fire academies, right? It's literally the same shit now than it was when I went through fire academy. And it boggles my mind because we say what? Don't worry. They'll show you when you get out there. Problem yep. with that is if the guys that are supposed to be mentoring and teaching you this stuff, haven't taken it upon themselves to read the studies from the UL or the um, the the rescue surveys that are coming out or shows like time of day and where we're finding our victims. If, if they're not up to par on that stuff, how are they going to teach you it? You know, and, you know, we're so bad about beating young firefighters down who are passionate about the job, mm-hmm. who want to learn. We, we say shit like, oh, you're a ketchup dick or, you know, just get on the ambulance and do that shit because that's what you're here for. And, Mm-hmm. it's we've taken that importance right out of it so what do you think is going to show up or what what's going to happen when we show up on mm-hmm. just, hey we've never put that as a top priority so yeah, absolutely yeah we get beat, it, yeah we get beat down by ems so much we get beat down by ems so much and don't get me wrong ems pays the bills i get it, i understand that but we get beat down by ems so much that we that, that we 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 hate on the guys that, that want to continue to, to strive to be better on the fire side for whatever reason i, I don't understand that and i see that I see that uh, across the country uh, uh, quite a bit, you know, and like to, to just to piggyback on the point of like you, you have to, you know, like all of a sudden you come out of you come out of uh, uh, fire standards and you go into the into the into the firehouse. And now you've never been taught any better. So you continue to do kind of like the minimum standards, I think. And then the next guy comes in or the next girl comes in and you're teaching him or her minimum standards. And then it's a, it's a vicious cycle and it's a vicious cycle and it's a vicious cycle. Well, how do you break it? Well, you know, like, and, and there's, there's different ways of, of breaking that. So you could make the argument of like, well, uh, I'll go to a busy battalion. Yeah. But if you go to a busy battalion and you never seek outside information, how do you know if you're doing it wrong? Because you don't know, you technically don't know if your department is doing it wrong. This is, this is, this is for everybody out there. There's a chance that your department could be doing it wrong. There's a chance that you could be doing it wrong. There's only one way of knowing, which is stepping outside of your comfort zone. So if you, let's just say you stay in, you stay in a busy battalion, but never take another outside class ever again, you don't know anything other than that busy battalion. Uh, so, and then on the other, and the other end of this, in the other end of the, uh, the spectrum there, you are at a very slow house because you like to sleep, but you enjoy the hell out of going to conferences and trying to get better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you go to fucking 10 conferences a year. But now you have all this outside information, but you fucking ran like three calls a shift for the last 10 years. You have no fucking experience. So you have to, you have to be able to start to, to quote my boy, Jason Lynn. I hope he's watching tonight. Jason Lynn, I love you, man. You're the best. You have to be able to look at both sides of the fence or excuse me, you have to straddle the fence and look at both sides of the yard and not apologize for it. You have to be able, you have to be able to, to go to conferences and seek a busy battalion. You can't just be in a busy battalion and not go to outside conferences. And you can't just be at a, sm- a slow station and not seek outside 
conferences. You have to be able to see both sides of the fence, and that's going to start getting you that that knowledge. That that little that little hamster wheel is going to start going right there. Yeah. Um, let me just piggyback on that real quick, and, and I don't mean to overrun everybody, but if I don't say this shit, I'll fucking forget it. So here, <laughs> here it is, right? We've all heard that, like, when it comes to teaching and passing on knowledge and all that good stuff, that like our ceiling should be their floor, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's great. Problem with that though is that the people that are tasked these days with with sharing that knowledge or training people, they have limited experience. So what does that mean? That means that their ceiling is low. They're only going to train their crew to the to the, whatever their capability is. So when you look at fire departments who promote very young, um, and that let's say that that officer is six, seven, eight years on the job. Not that that's a terrible thing, but it's it's about experiences. If you haven't been to fires and you haven't stretched line and you haven't searched and you haven't done all these things, then you have no business teaching anybody else how to do it because you have nothing to compare it to. And then, Absolutely. you know, it's it really boils down to the knowledge is theory until proven otherwise. Well, where do we prove it? We prove it on the fucking fire ground. Plain and simple. And if you're not going to fires to test that shit out, you have no idea what works and what really doesn't work in real world mm-hmm. situations. But yet we tell these guys, this is how it needs to be done. And then we send them in the buildings or we don't in most cases because we're afraid they're going to get hurt. That means you failed. You didn't mm-hmm. train appropriately and you didn't train your personnel appropriately to do the Absolutely. jobs that they're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> That's 100% right. Um, Pablo's uh, comment, your comment, both on point. Uh, the fact that you guys get around. One of the greatest things I've found being able to do these types of uh, trainings, the fact that we talk to each other all the time, the fact that we all in our own areas teach and travel, whether we all started within our fire departments and we're fortunate enough to expand and become part of a, a, a conference circuit or, or just anything that we do that's contributing and giving back to the fire service has, has been a real blessing. Uh, we work for the fire service. Our mm-hmm. patch may say the city of who pays your the name of the city, insert the city of that pays your bill on your patch in the back of your turnout gear, but we're all members of the fire service. And like, like Pablo said, your department may be doing it wrong. And, and you'll never know because you can't read the label from inside the jar. You need somebody who's outside the jar to read the label for you. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's just a hundred percent true. All right. Write that down, Pablo. I see you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, truth be told, you know, uh, it, when guys go to conferences, but they don't get the reps at work or vice versa, it, that's a very common problem when you talk about like information without application. You have all this information in here and all the all this data, but you're lacking the application. And then that's equally as dangerous as when you have a bunch of information, but you can't really figure out how to apply it because you've never actually left a classroom setting, setting and gotten the reps in manually, throwing that ladder to where your body doesn't know you're throwing a ladder. Like Absolutely. you said, Pablo, many times. It's not it's another <clears throat> ladder throw. It's not a training ladder throw. It's not a live fire. It's just another ladder throw. Ladder throw, and, yeah. You know, so I love what you guys are hitting on, and you're making this like the easiest show ever. We don't even have to talk. <laughs> what do you guys think, Greg? Uh, so uh, mine's a 37 part question because of everything that just happened. <laughs> no, so no, so a couple things um, that that hit on all that. Like I said, all that's important. I agree 100. Uh, percent I didn't need to say anything because that's exactly the way you guys are saying it. I 100% agree. But a couple things, um, Pablo hit on. If you if you master the OV, you master the fire ground. I couldn't agree more. I when I used yeah. to be a truck captain downtown, I hit hard on my driver about 
sizing the building up, walking the outside, knowing what's going on, listen to the radio, follow the engine company, you know, what's going on, where it's going on. He, he was solid and we were starting to get it. But like you said, I, I, I don't know if it's afraid or it's like, well, we're, we're going to get scolded by our mm-hmm. Eve or our daddy because, you know, don't throw, yeah, don't throw too many ladders because, you know, it's only a small fire we want to clean up. But the thing that gets me is when, so I wrote, I had to write this down because I knew this was going to come up and this is a perfect time. The, um, so all the, all these hose guys, I'm not taking anything away from it. I've never been a hose guy. Uh, I, I, I agree with everything they do. Very cool. Uh, the GPM versus the fire flow when they do all that, you know, these guys are like, Oh, we need 300 GPMs. We need it today, but they only flow it for 10 seconds or 20 seconds. So you don't need 300 GPMs if you do the math. You absolutely don't. So when you go in and search and you're going in and doing and, and the volume of fire is pushing out and you're throwing ladders. And like you said, you know, uh, uh, it's a high exhaust point and, and you look in that window and you're like, I think I could get my scrawny little body through that because mm-hmm. I know if I can get through this sill and I drop to the ground, I got 36 inches in residential underneath. There could be a whole yeah, family yeah. under there. Oh yeah. So you look at that. And then, if you do go in and it gets a little shittier and you got to lay down on the ground and get, you know, get your gear dirty and go change it out later because of, you know, clean gear in your truck and all that kind of, don't get me started on that. But <laughs> if you, if you do all that and you get dirty, guess what? I know how to get back to my ladder because I'm oriented. I know what's going mm-hmm. on. I grab a Vic. I take them. I, I'm in the smoke. <laughs> guess what? I have air. That's what we friggin' train on, man. That's the shit that kills me. And, and, um, if, uh, if it intensifies or, or whatever the case may be, then, you know, we're going to push our way out the door. Hopefully grab a Vic first move, closing the door on VES. If we can, we're going to push the corner. I mean, Rob, you hit the numbers on the mm-hmm. last one. The majority of the people were found in the adjacent room. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to push to the next room. It's almost like guaranteed should be a standard. Yeah. So, yeah. Greg, I, I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought the beyond the door up. So I'm going to back up just for a second and touch on something else and then circle back around to it. Um, You know, when we talk about search, we tend to think of it as like a one task and it's not, it's, you're not just searching, you're recon too, especially if you're ahead of the line, you're ahead Mm -hmm. of the line. You could be controlling flow paths by closing doors behind, you know, while you're going. Um, You're also identifying where that fire is. You can isolate it if you get to it and you're able to, uh, you can relay all that information back to the engine company or the truck company who's on the roof of where they need to cut their hole or where this fire is at to stretch that line to. So you're doing a lot of things while you're searching. Uh, the other thing is during search trainings, we're not teaching people to shut that door behind them. Like when you enter a room, close that freaking door. You know, we're not teaching them to do that. And, and it's, the concern is what happens if you search without a line and then you get cut off by the fire? Well, hey, if I'm searching room by room systematically, like I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm closing that door behind me, uh, if I open that door and there's a shit ton of fire, I'm going to close that door and I'm going to bail out a window, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we overcomplicate these things and we put fear into people um, yep. of, of what, what could happen if things go wrong. Well, this is a fucking dangerous job, man. And if you think that nothing's going to go wrong, then you're probably in the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, go sell fucking uh, ice cream. Yeah. Nobody wants anything to happen to them or their brothers and sisters in the fire service. But I mean, that is life. It happens. 
right? We have to be aggressive and get in there and do these things because we don't have much time. And when we're talking about exhaust points and, and all that kind of stuff, that unprotected airway will fail at 187 degrees once it's exposed for like 20 seconds. You're done, right? So think about that in time. And the three things that I have to tell everybody when we're talking search is, hey, what is your knowledge? What is your ability? And, and what is time, right? How long does it take you to do all these things? What is your knowledge of what it is about to do? What is your physical ability? What, you know, like all of that matters before we even enter this building. So if we're so fixated on, I have to stay on a line or I have to stay on a wall, that means you didn't properly size up your building when you were outside. Mm -hmm. Because if you did, you would be oriented somehow to what's going on. And when you go into a room and you close that door and you're like, oh, this is a bed, this is a dress or whatever. Hey, dumb shit, I'm in a bedroom, right? Like, so we overcomplicate things and then just stick this like really, really bad label on it. And it scares people. They don't want to do their jobs yeah. because if they do, they get in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple things that we're talking about. And then when we come back to VES beyond the door, I couldn't agree more because your standard bedrooms, at least here in South Florida, uh, three, three or four, right? So we'll say four. Um, when, when we're teaching VES to go like in one window and then come back out and reposition and go in another window, not only is that like painfully slow and waste time mm -hmm. and energy, but you're mm -hmm. only focusing on mm -hmm. one third or one fourth of that structure mm -hmm. which is like not efficient at all you know so we have to get better at like if we're teaching guys like words like hey hook and look or life fire layout and this is what we want you to do as soon as you force doors then that's what you should do once you get to that door of that ves room too and identify hey is this something i can push past mm -hmm. right and if you can great if you happen to have two people, which is I, I'm a huge fan of, I don't like leaving someone out of the window. I think that's stupid personally, but that's just me. Um, hey, we're searching together. We clear this room quickly. The person that gets to the door can shut the door and monitor conditions, whether that be just on the other side of the door in the hallway or in that fire room, whatever. You know, it, it's about being force multipliers. You you only have so much staffing. You have to use it to the best of your advantage and clear as much space because once it's lost, it's lost. You're not getting mm -hmm. it back. Anybody in that space is lost too. And it, you have to move with a purpose. And we literally teach these Congo line searches. Don't mm -hmm. let go of the leg. Don't let go of this. Tell them where the door is. Tell them where a window is. Shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear you talk unless it's, I have a victim or this room is clear. Because mm -hmm. you're just cluttering my mind with everything. And I have to stop what I'm doing to, to re-engage you and say, what did you say? <clears throat> Focus on the task at hand and systematically move forward in a way that makes sense and let go of my fucking leg because I'll kick you in the face. The more you talk, the more you talk, the, the more scared you are. And I've noticed that the more the, the more you talk, the more scared you are. Simple commands. And that comes with setting the standard in the morning when we talk to each other. Rescue companies, uh, guys that do searches, don't talk to each other enough in the morning. Be like, hey, who's got the can? Who's got the irons? Who's got the search? Who's going to be Orient Man? Who's dragging the, the, the Vic out? Who's, who's on radio commands? Nobody talks to each other when they do that in the mornings for whatever reason. So what happens when you get to, a, to, to the fire room? And we see it all the time in training. What happens in training is going to fucking happen in the fire room. If you fucking think that that's not going to happen in the fire room, because it, 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 you're out of your mind. What happens in training is going to happen in the fire room. And in training, what happens? As soon as you turn out the lights, come on. Everybody's there, been there. You turn off the lights. and you. So Sean and I are searching. And you turn off the lights. Next thing you hear from me is, Sean? Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Mommy? Where did you go? 
Come on, you know, so it's like, and that just falls back to lack of knowledge of what your partner's abilities are. There's different talent levels to this shit, boys. There's different, we're lying to each other. If you fucking think that there's not different talent levels to this profession, to any profession, I know Shane Bentley's out there, he's going to laugh at this shit, but as I've been saying it for fucking years, you line up 10 fucking astronauts next to each other, and I'm guaranteeing you, I'll put my fucking paycheck on it, one of those astronauts is going to look at, at, at you and be like, hey, you don't want to fucking go to space with that fucking idiot. Just because they're astronauts <laughs> don't mean that you're fucking flying well, bro. <laughs> like, there's, different, there's different levels of talent to what we do, and at some point oh or another, God. we need to stop, stop fucking bullshitting each other and be like, oh, we all do the same job. <laughs> bro, if you fucking grab uh, a, a pickup truck right now and put a hitch on it and you ask someone to fucking back it up one of the people in this thread is gonna fucking back that shit into a fucking wall the truth of the matter is there's different levels of talent but yet we all have driver's licenses the state of florida says we all drive the same come on you know there's different levels of talent why do we lie to each other i just don't understand like like it is what it is like you know like i um i i just took trench for example like I uh -oh. oh no tom johnson what is it with these workout guys? He's been tommed. What is it with these workout guys? The more you work out, the shittier your Wi-Fi gets. Hey, just to, just to add to that too, what you were saying, Duff. Um, I, I think everybody gets wrapped in on labels too. Like, oh, you know what? I gotta be. Uh, you know, they said oriented search, or or they said it's got to be targeted. It's like, why can't we use all our skills? Why why, why do why do we have to just use one and stick with it? Why can't we? Go into the door where we oriented. Yeah. We push to the next room. Now I got to anchor a guy on the door. Now I'm going to push two more rooms and come back. Yeah, I, I don't understand yeah. why it has to be well, one or the other. Think about it like this: what What is a VES? What is it? It's It's just it's a title that we put on something as a tactic, right? It's It's just a tactic. Right. It's our mode of entry into that room. Period. It's a It's a primary that, search. It's a primary search. Right, so let, let's just keep it simple. We we literally will put fucking umpteen people through a front door and crowd mm -hmm. the hallways with firefighters trying to get to the fire and do all this other shit, but we lose our goddamn minds when we put a firefighter through a fucking window. Like, holy shit, you just did something terrible. And realistically, we've, like, not... <laughs> the percentage of um, people that are saved from a VES is almost mm -hmm. 50%. Almost 50% of the time yeah. when we do a VES and we find a victim, they survive. And yeah. the death toll from doing a VES, very, very low. I think the last one was like in 1989 out of FDNY, right? Um, mm -hmm. Point I'm getting at is, again, we're going we're gonna to like use fear to, to tell people why they shouldn't do something because we don't understand it. And we put titles to things, right? I don't care. Mm -hmm. If Pablo and I are going into a building, all I need to hear from him is I'm going right. The minute we say right hand, our brains go, I, I got to put my hand on the wall right now. Right. Mm -hmm. If I say oriented search, again, if you don't understand what that means and you haven't trained on it, what am I going to do? I've got a window. I've got a bed. I've got a door. I've got whatever. Because I think mm -hmm. that's what an oriented search is. Just drop all the bullshit. And just search, man. It's, it's really that simple. Be fast, be thorough, be efficient, move with a purpose, and you're going to be okay. We get ourselves in trouble when we dick off in a building because it takes us 15 minutes to clear a primary search because we're on our hands and knees crawling like two feet per second. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, come on.
My favorite is uh, my, my favorite is when you're in a, a all wood house with um true wood floors, and they tell you to bang the tool on the door, and you got two teams searching. It sounds like a sounds like you're in a concert. You can't yeah. hear or orient yourself yeah. because there's so much noise. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, I've never found a victim in a building standing upright against the fucking wall. So never. Um, when I come in, maybe because I wasn't the one that did the primary and I'm doing something else on that fire, and I see handprints mm-hmm. all the way across, I, that mm-hmm. tells me right there, you guys didn't really search. You just kind of yep. went along the wall, right? And, and here's the other part that we're missing. When we don't learn how to split off from each other and keep contact and cover more space, it is a painfully slow search because let's say we go right and we go that way and we go to a wall and then we stay right, right? Everything in that building is a right turn which means that I'm just literally following one wall. Absolutely. Okay. I'm missing the other six, seven, eight, possibly 10 feet that's in that area that I have to go all the way around until I come back to. Yeah. That is a, that's a problem. That's how firemen get lost on fucking kitchen islands. Yeah. I mean, you know, nerd out. I, I, every single time that I ever teach a class or regurgitate information, I always say nerd out on information, go read some NIOSH reports. Google line of duty injuries as opposed to line of duty deaths. We're not fucking killing a hundred guys a year like like people want to believe we are, but we we do injure some some members uh, here and there. Google your line of duty injuries. Google your 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 your, uh, your NIOSH reports on on searches. We got guys that literally get hurt on our kitchen islands. Yeah, and if you want to get technical, uh, you can go out. This is, and this isn't bullshit. This like I don't spew bullshit. Everything I say, you can look up if you want. Um, Go on U.S. Fire Administration's website, and you can pull up the data that they have from all the line of duty deaths from when they first started to current. And if you do that, what you're going to find is that, like, three people, we say 100 firefighters a year die, right? Todd Edwards touched on that when he did his class here. And, and it's true. That's what we always say. Oh, we're killing 100 firefighters a year. Right. Okay, right. That's, that's, that's not on, like, actual fire grounds, though, Right. I think it's like three firefighters. If you pull up this, the, the latest statistics, three firefighters have died by operating search and rescue. And guess what? Most of the time, it's not the actual task that's killing them. It's something like cardiac arrest or they had a stroke while they're in there or something like that. Right. Yep. So it, it's a medical reason, not the, the actual act itself of searching for victims. Very few of them are getting caught in collapses and, and being overrun by fires and things like that. So, again, you, you owe it well, to that's everybody just, to know it. That's the same concept as, you know, uh, some of these incident commanders and everything don't put people on the roost because everyone who goes on lightweight trust falls through and dies. It's yeah, like there true. hasn't been anybody that's done that. But you just, know, learn, I mean, like, where are you getting your info? Absolutely. Learn how to learn how to walk it. I understand that it's lightweight roof construction. I understand that I'm not stupid. I live in the state of Florida. My my house is, is built the same way. But there's there's a new word out there for you guys. It's not a new word. I'm just fucking around. Oxymoron. You know, like there's those two <laughs> things that don't fucking come together. You can make a lightweight roof construction, which is not safe, safe if you know how to walk it properly. You know, and don't walk cross country. Our, our decking is failing first. Read that on. Yeah. Your, and on, let's fit. You know, absolutely. And let's, let's fit. You know, I'm not trying to turn it into a roof or, you know, a uh, truck class or anything, but sounding the roof drives the movement, bro. That's so to sound on the floor for search though. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like, I mean, 
how it's not hard. We're, we're not Absolutely. rocket scientists. It's not. And it's one of the things. So I started, you know, and, and I stopped saying, I stopped saying when I started doing, uh, ironically, I'm doing a uh, vertical vent now for uh, uh, one of the, I'm, I'm one of the cadres that's doing a vertical vent for my department right now. I stopped saying the word sounding. And this is the reason why I was like, we, for whatever reason, we just bring, we bring that word sounding with us. It's just something. And I, I say it and I'm like, ah, stop, stop, get out, get out, get out. We need to, we need to realize that we are, we, we're not, we're not getting up there and sounding for a roof. We're checking for the integrity of the roof. And, um, you know, so it's like one of those things, like it's, it, 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 it's your fifth fire ever, fourth fire ever. You're assigned to the roof. It's your first ever, it's your first ever vent job. The fire engine is sitting about 35 foot out, uh, outside the front door. She's screaming and every freaking uh, rescue uh, division, tanker, whatever the fuck is across, across the radio saying, oh, I need an assignment. I need an assignment as you're taking the roof. Uh, you're on air because God forbid we, we get anywhere near an IDLH environment without being on air. Uh, we die instantly. I don't know if you knew that. But um, you're already on the roof and you're on air. So you're going. You're scared to death because we don't take the human element of this job into consideration. We never, ever, ever do. So you're 100, you're, your heart rate's already 100. Yeah, I know you do, Baba. <laughs> so, uh, you know, your heart rate's already 130. And all of a sudden, we're, we're sounding for the roof. Not a chance in hell. We got to check for integrity, though. Check for the integrity of the roof and see and 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 to see where you're at and how you walk and then obviously walk walk your outside hips, your ridges, your valleys, all this type of stuff, your low bearing walls to make yourself a job that's inherently dangerous, an oxymoron, safe as fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. and 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 also to to touch on something that Duffy hit a, a little bit ago. <laughs> all of us went to fire school a long time ago. They're still teaching the same fucking curriculum now. Mm-hmm. That they did when we went to fire school. They're still teaching, A, hold my leg and go search. They're still teaching, it takes three guys for a fucking two and a half inch nozzle. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still teaching firefighters to search blacked out. Like if it's yes. the worst case con- like conditions, yes. which yeah, yeah. all it does is tell them that that's normal. Right. Yeah. We're, well, we're and sending not firefighters. Yeah, we're yeah not they're teaching not teaching them. them how to operate in limited viz or get to that blackout. They're just going, right. you'll never see anything. So how are they learning anything? Yeah, you know what I mean? They, I don't they get literally, that. yeah, That's they literally yeah. think that every fire is supposed to be pitch black, yeah. high heat. <laughs> because yeah. That's what they're doing. It's hot in here. Keep moving. You can't see anything. It's dark. Well, that's great mm-hmm. if you explain the why. But when you don't explain the why and you tell them that that's how they have to search, and when they get to that fire, they're fucked. Because they don't understand that, hey, this is a situation where I need to cool the environment and I need some ventilation right, right now. Yeah, and they're well, and, they're getting yeah. sent in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and some of these guys too. And and believe me, I'm I'm not I'm not down in anyone that teaches fire academy whatsoever. I get no, no, it. I, I understand yeah. and all that. But the some of these guys, and and it's like every department everywhere. They think that they're the God's gift to the fire service because yeah. they can yell at guys and they're called, you know, commandant or admiral or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. you know, when people walk in. But when they sit there and, and, and they're teaching them stuff, that's they're they're the epitome of, well, because that's the way we've always done it. They're the epitome of that. They're the poster child for that. You know what I mean? And it's like, go to your, go to the headmaster or go to the state or go whenever. It's just a pretest academy. It's not That's even good. fire. 
You know, it's nonsense. You're getting me worked up, Duffy. (laughs) Minimum standards breeds minimum results, period. That is a basic core knowledge to give people a a, a, a foundation that they're supposed to build upon. Like, I'm going to give you a little bit so you know what it is that hopefully you know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. But this is not going to save your life. I've given you just enough to get your ass killed. Okay, it is now up to you and whatever department you work for to train you to get you up to par and continue to be a student of the craft, you know, and, and that's the problem. And the problem is when we send them to these places, we have officers and, and maybe even chiefs in some cases, hell, even senior firemen that are just like, yeah, man, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really not that big of a deal. Why are you so into the job? And it's painted as like this negative thing. If you give a shit and you should give a shit, you know, uh, most of us have families. So when you tell me to relax and stop giving a shit, what you're telling me essentially is to go fuck myself and you don't care about my family, right? Mm-hmm. The person that is like that, we should all be like, damn, this guy gives a shit so much. I know that no matter what happens, he's coming for mm-hmm. me. He's going to give me every chance that I can to get home to my family. He's going to give every victim a chance to survive that environment. It, this is something we need to emulate. We, we need to capture whatever his motivation and driving force is. We have to harness that. And that is what we need to start teaching everybody else because that's what's important. But we don't. Instead, we shun it like it's this negative thing. And then people silence because they're tired of fighting that same battle. And all you tell them after a while is like, if you don't give a shit, then their attitude becomes like, I don't give a shit either. Right. And, and then we just breed that into the next generation of firefighters that come in. And that's where our development scars happen. Right. Yeah. So we have to be very, very careful, like how we say things and what we do, because yeah. it, it is going to have an impact for a long time to come. Absolutely. Uh, hey, Robbie, by the way, to answer your question, of, I believe we're still on the first topic. To answer your oh, question. It's the first question. This is, all, this is the first question. We're still on. To answer your question. <laughs> yeah, the searchable versus survivable. We call it surgical survival because we can't call it tacticians versus mud. It is what it is. <laughs> Fucking a. Listen to performance professionals level, you versus have to be, minimalists. Uh, That's uh, it. Like Duff just said. Like Duff just said, you don't want that risk versus benefit guy coming to get you or your kids at three in the morning. No. If, if you're in, if you're in the shit and shit just went sour, and and I think it was uh, Chief Campbell, Don Campbell from Gainesville said at one time, and and I wrote it down. He was like, dude, to perform at that level, you have to be a bit of a sociopath. Like you want the craziest mm-hmm. son of a bitch on that fire truck to bust through that window and come get you and your kids at three in the morning. One hundred percent. You don't want the risk versus benefit guy, or 100%. the searchable versus survivable guy. You know you want, and that's yeah. true. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't need a nice guy. I don't need a good neighbor. I have good neighbors. I don't need a nice guy. I need six assholes. <laughs> I know how to fight fire. That's what I want. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So, so I think I cut Herb off when he was trying to make a point. So I'm sorry, brother. If, if no, no, no. Hey, 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 listen, bro. We're we're good. We're uh, we're, <laughs> we're we're fifty one minutes into it on the same uh, first question, so we're good. On the dude. first question, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> now you know why our classes take freaking four hours and everyone's drinking yeah. beer at the end of it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to order breakfast. I think by the time this thing's over. <laughs> hey, the first hey, time um, I ever met Duff was at a bar. I said, "Hey, what's your name?" Hey, Sean Duffy, Robert Mears. Oh, let's talk. Three hours later, 14 beers later, he was still answering the first question. We're still getting to know each other. 
These guys that's right. they're, so pa- they're so passionate. It's fucking ridiculous. That was that yeah, was I, a great. I night. appreciate it, man. That's uh, that's yeah. good stuff, man. You, I um, I follow some of the stuff that you guys do, and, and it's like, it's like, God, that these guys are reading my mind, or I'm re, or I'm falling into their cult. One or the other. I don't know what it is, but they both feel pretty yeah. good. Um, yeah. Hey, so let me uh, l- let me switch it a little bit. It's st- obviously on search. Question number two, 52 minutes in. Um, <laughs> to stay on to that, we start talking about residential search. And, you know, we talk about VES, second floor, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, uh, the commercial, when you start getting into the large areas, um, how, you know, how, what's, what's a couple things you guys look at? And, uh, and, and how do you vary or do you try to keep it the same? The part, the, the, the part that, um, on the big thing I got into a little bit of argument with a couple guys is we went over to, um, the Island that's by the department that I work for and they have 50, 40,000 square foot mansions over there. But after hurricane season, when you go into one of these mansions, even if you're going into the, to the, the servant stuff, that's 20,000 or 10,000 or whatever, you're going into these places and they're completely boarded up and locked. We are, I told my crew, you, you got to treat this like a commercial building because there's no way out. You push yeah. deep into this building and mm-hmm. you're going to find somebody staying there after a hurricane or right before it. Like th- this is bad. This is where, this is where the out the, the, the outside and the exterior and the OV it's like the truck company needs to step mm-hmm. it up because they're going to make the, the, uh, to use the words that we didn't really want, they're going to make it survivable when you push in there deep for it. And they're going to make it a little easier for the engine. So I think the outside guys on that have a major part on, you know, medium to bigger residentials that are, that are boarded up. What's your guys take on that into, into yeah. commercial stuff. So I'll answer that for you real quick. <clears throat> First, I, I just, I just want to touch on that. Survival is not a bad word to use. Obviously that isn't our, our intent, right? Like, these people are most likely naked or in pajamas. We have bunker gear and, and air, right? So we do have to fix that environment and make it survivable atmosphere or close to it, right? And that is the benefit mm-hmm. of closing doors as well is it, it gives you oxygen percentages of almost 19%, right? Which is, you know, 21% is what? Normal air, right? So you look at that and you're like, hey, if I can get close to normal air, then, then we're doing good. That's the same thing of why when we search and and we're isolated from the fire, we could be taking windows to ventilate that environment, right? We're, we're allowed to do that. Uh, the Governor Island study proved that. So what I'm getting at is I don't – I think the word survivable is a good thing if we're using it in a way that makes sense, like roof work to ventilate and get that, that fire and, and heat out, mm-hmm. you know, Um in commercial structures for searching, first thing I ask anybody is, how, like, how quick can you search, let's say a fifteen hundred square foot house with your staffing, right? If your staffing level, <clears throat> let's say, is two, maybe three, you could probably handle a twelve to thirteen hundred square foot house efficiently, right? Mm-hmm. Anything outside that, you're going to want more search groups. Excuse me. So we have to take these commercial structures and learn how to split them into actual separate structures, if that makes sense. If I have like an apartment complex, every apartment in theory is a separate structure. So I should probably have more than one search group. Same thing for commercials. 
you have to have more search crews. Anytime I hear a commercial job, my first thought is we need a second alarm right now. Whether it's burning or not, strike that second alarm because I'm going to need a shit ton of manpower relatively quickly if this thing is off to the races, mm-hmm. right? So, hey, I, I think utilizing your manpower um, effectively is, is the goal. Yeah. Uh, we tend to put a lot of people on rehab or medical sector or, you know, whatever, worrying about shit that hasn't even happened yet when we need to be worried and focused on what is occurring and using our manpower appropriately. So call the manpower quickly, get more than one search team, get more than one RIT team, like get those things in place and, it, and, and start searching that building. That is, that is my take on it. And some people may not agree, but Hey, you know, um, reading what I've read through NIOSH studies and stuff, what is the most reason why guys get run over? They get lost or they get trapped or they get run over by a fire because in a commercial building, we'll take a Walmart, for example. If that thing is truly on fire, that's a big-ass fucking fire, right? You're not going to knock that out with a hand line. But yet, instinctively, we always want to go in there with, with one hand line and then get another hand line. And while all that's happening searches are being made so we have to keep in count of all that like hey this is a large space i have to cut it into divisions and i have to have a separate search group for each division mm-hmm. absolutely and then uh, just to piggyback on that and what you said greg um not only am i a fan of, uh, of sounding a second alarm right off the bat like oh that's a working fire commercial job or, or even a large house you know like i didn't treat them also as commercial uh, as commercial just large something large um the truckies and the rescue and and the the outside out OVM men the truck work from the outside standpoint needs to go hand in hand with the interior search on that uh, not only the interior search uh, splitting the, splitting the building you got to throw a lot of hands in there to search that because uh, that ain't your run of the mill fifteen hundred square foot residential that's basically at fifteen hundred square foot or that you know that run of the mill three two four three that's basically at my my personal once again this personal. My personal comfort level was to like uh, for a one for for one crew search. Uh, you start getting a little bit bigger than that. We need to start thinking about different search uh, search teams to get in there and, and splitting that type of search. And the and truck work, the OVM the OVM men or women need to uh, need to do some serious work on that on that building, softening the building, making sure that, that everything is is good to split the split the interior properly. Um, and for those of you guys that out there that are like, oh, we don't have any truck companies. Yeah, you do. It's your what whatever's showing up as a as a third do engine or a yeah you, as a fifth or sixth do engine on a second alarm or your or your or your first second do rescue, fourth do rescue, your I don't give your fucking tanker, whatever the fuck. Someone fucking grab on your fuck and 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 do a three six of the fucking building. There you go, your your deemed truck. If they don't have a hose in their hand, they're a truck. You're a truck. I, oh my god, dude! It's like, oh, I'm never, oh, we don't, yeah. we don't do truck work. Uh, have you ever fucking uh, held a Halligan? Oh my god, I deemed you a truckie. Rob, <laughs> yeah. is it time? Is it time we're getting into it? Listen, listen. I just want to let you guys know that I'm writing this down. That is 113 fucks from Pablo. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. 113 fucks in 59 minutes. That's got to be some type of podcast record. It, it is because usually he's good for about 13, and then he realizes, like, oh man, so that's why no, we no, call what, PG 13. Uh, 113, yeah. Papa, 113. Right there, in that one little comment, that was 14. So, so <laughs> Bingo. the the one thing I, I can't stand about, um, uh, it, it kind of bothers me too, is the 
the the answer to a large area search is instead of adding more teams up in the alarm and all that more crews to go in, it's grab your search line. I hate those. that's the that's the answer for everything that everyone says. Grab yeah. your search rope and they can yeah. search an entire hundred thousand square foot, you know, commercial building with with. Uh, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a search rope bag, toss it at somebody one day and say, unravel this and tell me what every knot means, every ring means and all that shit. And I'll be, I promise you, they'll be like, I don't fucking know. But that's our go to answer when we're sending firefighters into a building. Or Look, better yet, better yet, when they go in and they and they got they got 150 feet pulled out with knots and rings everywhere. Go ahead and pan that back up so you can get yourself out. Yeah. And, and what are you in? Are, are you in a auto body shop? Are you in a uh, like a superstore? Are you mm-hmm. like in a furniture place where this shit's going to get hung up all over everything? Like, yeah, you, you've got to think about these things. And, and that's what I can't stand about the fire services. We give these really stupid canned answers with no definitions. Like because they've never the done it. Right. Because they've never done it. And oh, well, somebody somebody said that this works and. NFPA says that we have to have it, so we're going to put it on here. It goes back to if you, t- I promise you right now, if you go back to your firehouse and you tell somebody to get you a Halligan, they will bring you a three piece freaking piece of junk and say that's a Halligan. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, that's a hooligan bar. It's pinned, it's not drop forged. That's wrong. Right. And they will argue with you. No, it's a Halligan because they don't fucking know because all they know is. This thing is supposed to force doors and nobody's told them the difference because the people that are supposed to be teaching them don't know the fucking difference. It's the same thing when we go to these fires and we start searching large houses or large buildings. Hey, I'm going to grab this search bag because that's what I was told I had to do. If you tell somebody, like, we just had a small, very, very small, wasn't even a big deal. It was like a toaster fire in an apartment mm. building this morning. Charged the hallway and the, and the apartment full of smoke. Point being is... Our battalion chief's very aggressive. Do you think he had us grab our high-rise packs? No. Our our ambulances have water cans. Our our engines both have water cans. He's like, grab the water cans. Let's get up there and let's see what's fucking going on. But some people immediately be like, grab the high-rise pack. Let's do this because this is a high-rise and that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And they're just grabbing shit because it's like second nature and not in a good way. It's second yeah. nature because they've been indoctrinated that that is the piece of equipment you bring for mm-hmm. this incident. But once they bring it up there, they have zero idea what to fucking do with it. That's that the right there, search rope. That's the different levels of talent that I'll, that that I'm ta- that I'm talking about. If uh, technically speaking, you get a kid out of fresh out of the fire academy, and you know he's gonna stretch a line. Uh, you know, let's say that everything. You know, he's a he's a kid that scored away. You know, everything is is fine. Technically speaking, he's gonna stretch a line to the front door, probably as fast as I'm gonna stretch a line. Any of us are gonna stretch a line. Maybe he he might even beat us. This is. When there's different levels of talent to this stuff, yes, there's different levels of physical talent, and there's also different levels of understanding the job talent, and that's what I, that's what I mean right there, just understanding the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go back to the search rope thing. How many feet of rope do you have in your search bag? Mm-hmm. If the answer is like I've got a hundred, mm-hmm. okay, you've got a hundred feet of search rope, yeah. and you're going into a Walmart. How far yeah. do you really think you're getting? Absolutely. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what what happens when you have to push further? You're gonna call for another search rope. Yeah, there's certain things that happen that should be your indication immediately. Like, maybe I'm too far in with the manpower I have. I should have mm-hmm. more help. 
yeah. and we're not we're not using that. We're not calling it because for some reason, if we make that call and we wind up not using it, one, we get reprimanded, and two, everybody laughs at us like you idiot. Yeah. Hey man, I don't really care. I'll send everybody home before I'm screaming on the radio that I need more help and I've got to wait 15 minutes. Absolutely. We do a horrible job setting our people up with the false expectations of, of, of success, uh, not understanding the person you're going to be when that emergency happens. Those people that we're giving that fucking search, that wide area search bag to and solving all their world's problems by handing them that one bag to go search a Walmart, the Costco, the Sam's Club, your big box building. Mm-hmm. They're fully encapsulated, heart rate 150, stress hormone driven. You take away their sense of smell, you take away their sight, limited visibility. You put fucking oven mitts on them and you have them counting mm-hmm. rings or knots. In an yeah. environment they've never been in, yeah, 150 feet into a big box building, and you give them a fucking high five until they may figure it out, champ. You just jumped, yeah. you, just, you just jumped off an ambulance. Absolutely. Yeah, come on, guys. Hey. No, dude, you, you yeah. preach. Say it louder for the people in the back, dude. Nobody, very few people in this profession. If there's any, if there's a class that I would like to see someone, you know, whatever, come up with, like, oh, you know, like it's the understanding that we do not take into consideration the human element of the job we don't we don't we uh oh let's get dressed um oh, let's get dressed in the front yard that's you know the the, the, the clean cat concept and i know this is whatever the clean cat concept getting dressed in the front yard bro bro i whoever out there is not realizing that there is a fucking difference between getting Uh-oh. dressed in the in the firehouse floor. <laughs> no, if yeah. there's a, di- there's not a difference between getting dressed on the firehouse floor to having a civilian in your face looking at you like, what's going on? Why aren't you not ready? As the, as the fire is literally burning, you're out of your mind. That means that you've never been to an actual fire. You've never been to someone somewhere where someone's knocking on your fucking window as you're trying to give a size up off of an ambulance. It sucks. Yeah. Well, it I'm going to go one. St- I'm, let me take this one step further for you. And you know exactly what I mean. You freaking, you put firefighters on an ambulance. I mean, God, they they have to be a fucking fireman when they get hired, right? That's part of the qualification. They set their stuff up like if they were on an engine and holy shit, people lose their minds. It's like, what are you doing? You're on an ambulance. Yeah, Yeah. so I might go to a fire later and I need to get dressed quickly. No, 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 no. Keep it in the cabinet. Get dressed when you're there. Cool. Here's the problem. When a citizen's house is on fire and you get dressed in the front yard and you put all that shit on and then the engine's not there yet and you don't do anything because the engine's not here, Mm -hmm. they're looking at you because you have now identified yourself as a firefighter and that you're there to do something and you're fucking doing nothing. Absolutely. And the the excuse is, well, I showed up on ambulance. I don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't care. You put on bunker gear and an air pack. That symbolizes that you are willing to do whatever you need to do to mitigate that situation to the best of your ability. So here's here's one. True emergency. So, Sean, when it's a true emergency, when it's a true emergency, nobody gives a fuck what rig you're showing up on. And I'll go the other, the complete other end of the route with EMS calls on engines. You show up on an you know, like if it's a bullshit call, bullshit ass call, you show up on a fire engine, they're going to be like, what are you doing here? We call the ambulance. <laughs> Watch that motherfucker yeah. actually be a real call. Cardiac arrest. Someone's not breathing. Yeah. Yada, yada. All this. And you show up on a fire engine. They don't give, they're like, they want you to, sh- they want you to get off with every bag you got and they want you to have everything ready to go. So it's the same thing from a fire engine standpoint, from an ALS. We, we work in South Florida. We all work in Florida, central and South Florida. It's the same thing from a fire engine ALS standpoint. If you're on a yeah. rescue and you show up to a true emergency and it's a fire, 
Nobody in that front yard is looking at you like an ambulance. They're looking at you as firefighters. Same well, thing so, from a yeah. fire engine I've, standpoint. I've, I've Same, had exact this. Same exact thing from a fire I, engine I, standpoint. I couldn't agree more because I've had this argument. But the, but the way I looked at it was when you roll up on your medic truck, your rescue, and you jump off and you got to get dressed in the front and you're the first person there. And like we said, those might be our younger guys, our step-up officers on there. They're going to miss something. They're going to mm-hmm. miss tools. They're going to miss air packs or, or whatever they're going to. And then the stress that you're putting on that guy to do the arrival, to, to go in to push. Do I go in that the engine's not here? Do I grab my water can? When am I going to get in trouble? This, you know, they, they write the policy for the weakest person. So it they straps do. the guys that want to drive forward. Yeah. And, and that's, well, that's what thing. kills me. Oh, damn. I'm going to take that. They write so, the policy for the weakest person. Take it. You can have it. When, when we do our culture class, we, we, we talk about this and some people, they, they don't necessarily agree because there is such thing as a good culture and a bad culture and policies in those cultures could also have an impact. But when we say a strong policy will save more lives because it creates driving performance that, that or a strong culture, I'm sorry, saves mm-hmm. more lives because it creates driving performance that no policy ever will. What we're saying is make make whoever's showing up to that emergency an all-hazards person because that's really what we are. We're an all-hazards department. I don't give a shit if you show up to my house on a tricycle ringing your goddamn bell. If you get off in bunker gear and you jump through a window and you save my kid, I'm happy, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when we write those policies, we directly impact the ability of our service delivery, mm-hmm. right? I couldn't tell you, and, and I won't say anything, but I worked for a department and it drove me fucking crazy because the policy was that you were not allowed to make entry into a building unless an officer was on scene. Are you fucking high? So you're telling me with confirmed entrapment, I'm not going to make entry into a building because there's no captain on scene. Well, for whatever reason, this engine ain't fucking here and I still got a job to do. So guess what? I'm a firefighter. I've been entrusted with that job. The citizens expect me to do it and I can fully intend to do it. Write me up, fire me, do whatever you think you need to do, but that's not going to stop me from doing my job. That mindset is not very strong with a lot of people because we scare them. Hey, if you do this, you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. How much do you like working here? Well, you won't, you won't work here for long if you keep doing that because we can't physically say, hey, man, maybe we're the problem. Maybe we need to train. Maybe we need to revamp our policies for what makes sense for what we want our personnel to do in today's fire environment with the staffing levels that we have. And if we're not doing that, then the powers to be who write those policies, they're the ones that are failing the citizens. Well, and creating that mindset too. That mindset's key too, man. I mean, you know, yeah, that all starts inside the firehouse. I get it. But if, if you're strapped from your higher ups or, you know, you have, you know, incident commanders for whatever reason, or, or even, you know, adjacent officers in other houses, you know, are going to drag their feet or they're a little bit weak. Uh, that, that puts extra stress on you, mm-hmm. you know, it does. and, and it's, yeah. it, and it makes you take on more than you should be taken on for that point instead of yeah. focusing on the job at hand. Well, mm-hmm. I'll put it this way. Most of us in this profession today are either EMTs or paramedics okay, there is a standard that you have to meet. If you don't do something for a patient that you're supposed to do, that's negligence. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Oh my God, EMS chief will be up your ass so quick. 
you'll be explaining yep. in why you didn't do something in your report, mm-hmm. but we go to a fire and we don't do something and it gets swept under the rug. Ah, they were probably dead before we got there. No big deal. Did you see how big that fire was? Mm-hmm. We make all these excuses as firemen of why we can be negligent. But guess mm-hmm. what? The, the citizens are not buying that shit anymore. They're yeah. starting to sue people for not doing their job because people are being found during overhaul. They're being found, um, you know, during the, the inspection or the, um, yeah, the, the, the investigation, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. people are being missed. Because we're not putting the emphasis on, hey, this is just as important as your chest pain call that you ran today that you didn't do a 12 lead on. Sorry. Do your fucking job. End of discussion. Well, mm-hmm. and they can they can research it too now. You know what I mean? Just like social media and all that. Be like, hey, you know what? Uh, something happened. My neighbor had a fire. Let me check out what's going on here. And they go on and they start getting into and digging a little bit and go, man, these guys didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it, well yeah. it, it also bears down the, the point of when you get in the fire service. So my buddy Dan's listening from New York. He just uh, chimed in. So understand, yes, there is paramedics that ride an ambulance that are firemen, Dan. Uh, he, hit, <laughs> he hit me up on a text message. He's like, what are you talking about, paramedic, paramedics or firemen? So all, all don't of us, remind us. So all of us. Yeah, don't are, remind us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all of us work in uh, Florida. And I always teach to the, to the young guys that come in because normally the younger guys go on the box. And I tell them, hey, listen, uh, just because you're on the box does not mean that you're not a fireman. Absolutely. You need to be a better fireman because depending how you arrive, you might be writ, you might be engine, you might be truck. So you better be the baddest fucking fireman you possibly can be. And you better know everything all the functions and how to do it absolutely and, yeah and and the problem is is that culture is oh you're on the box fuck it well yeah. negative and, and and that's the culture in florida per se oh you're on the yeah. box okay you're running medical calls well yeah th- think about it in, in in the standpoint of okay you're on the box well guess what you might go to a fire tomorrow you're assigned writ a month from mm-hmm. now you go to another fire you're, you're inside truck. Mm-hmm. The, yep. Another fire, you're assisting fire attack. Well, that means you better be diverse in every fucking tactic that there is out there. And the yeah. problem is that we don't keep that. It's not yeah. being taught to the guy. It's a, uh, you're, you're an ambulance jockey. Let me yeah, get in there real quick. Go ahead, Pablo. <clears throat> that starts, you know, we talk about the, the, just, we were talking about it offshore or whatever, about ambulance crews and structure fires and, and stuff like that. That starts with the. That starts with the officer. I'm a, I'm not an officer. I'm a tailboard fireman. That starts with the officer of the station, setting the standards as to what is acceptable and how much is is allowed to be given on any given uh, on any given day. Um, you know how much do you allow? Not one inch. Not one inch. You don't you don't allow someone to 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 demean the rescue. You don't allow them to to you know say this is bullshit or this is that or we don't uh, we don't run fires or that. You don't allow that. You don't allow that. That doesn't mean you become a liar. That doesn't mean you become a liar. That just becomes you don't allow it. I always say to myself, I'm like, I'm like, my name's Pablo Tanner. I'm not a liar. I sure as fuck at three o'clock in the morning want to sleep. I do not want to be running a trophy. 
But at three o'clock in the morning, you're not going to see the difference between three o'clock in the afternoon and three o'clock in the morning for me because I'm still going to be, I'm still going to run the call the same way. Boom. So, and that's, from, that's from professionalism, from, right? Professionalism, right? So, from a standpoint of of of, of ambulances operating on structure fires, the the tone has to be set from the beginning of you are the truck company, departments um, uh, departments where you don't have dedicated truck companies, and we have ambulances. We do have dedicated truck companies. Every one of you guys that's out there listening, we do have dedicated truck companies. It's your ambulance. If you are sitting in-house with an engine company and there is a structure fire that goes down and you respond together, when you get there, the engine stretches, guess what you're doing? It's not sitting outside with your thumb up your ass and I'm hoping to God you're not grabbing a stretcher. If there's a patient, there's a patient. I get it, I understand that. If there's no patient, you are the truck company. Or if there's a patient, second do gets it. Whatever, that's up to your department policy. But you are the truck company because that engine company in the state of Florida where I work anywhere, where you guys work, guess what is a little secret. They're actually squad companies. They carry fucking ladders on board. They carry extrication equipment on board. They carry saws on board. They carry hoses on board. You have a lot of fucking squad companies. So that means that when you get on scene, when you get on scene as a, as a first two ambulance, Rescue, I don't like calling them rescues. You call them when you get on scene as a first two ambulance, as a first two medic unit, you automatically assume the function of a truck company because as that as that engine is stretching, what do you need, Cap? What do you need, Lou? What do you need, Chief? You want me to take the roof? I got the ladders. You want me to soften up the building? I got all the tools back there. You are the you want me to you want me to take utilities? No problem. Do 360, no problem. You are the truck company. But that if you don't set that standard from Literally the beginning when you come in and be like, listen, we are we are the truck. And I don't want to hear no bullshit of like, oh, we don't we don't do truck work. We we absolutely do. Every single time that you don't touch a hose line, we're actually doing truck work. When you set that standard from the beginning, then that means that that standard is going to be set and you don't give an inch. I I I, I hate to say that it sounds like a fucking communist. I'm Cuban, I promise I'm not fucking communist, but you don't <laughs> give an inch, man, because as soon as you give an inch, like, oh, this is bullshit. No, we, we, you, this is not bullshit. This is your job. And we are, I always use these analogies from going back to like uh, the, 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 the old California 49er days. We are professional shit, shit, swifters, you know? You remember the back in the 49er days, you know, you go a little bit of, bit of, a little bit of history, right? You go back and they're looking for gold through a bunch of fucking dirt. They're going like this. Looking for gold and looking for gold. Man, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine going days at a time fucking going like this. But they're looking for a piece of gold to feed their fucking family. So I'm guaranteeing you back in those days, at some, at some point or another, there was one of those guys that's like this, like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. I don't want to fucking do this. This is garbage. Looking over to the left or to the right of the guy looking like, man, what are you going to do tonight? I can't fuck. I can't wait to go home. What is he missing? He's missing that little piece of gold. But there's one someone, there's one of those little 49ers that's sitting on that line going like this. And he's just focusing and he's focusing and he's focusing. Oh, piece of gold. Boom. Feed my family. Our piece of gold is that fucking structure fire, is that cardiac arrest, is all of those calls that they pay us for. When we're swifting through those the, the, the BS calls, basic service, not bullshit. Uh, by the way, I got that from uh, oh, Bill McCann from, from Liberty City. Love the boys on there. I love the BS calls, basic yeah. service, basic yeah. service boys. Uh, so, um, uh, if Billy, if you're watching, that's awesome, bro. But yeah, we, that's our job, man. That's our job to switch through those BS, BS calls and boom. Oh, structure fire. 
and be ready for that structure fire, man. And I don't, I think that would just do um, a horrible job. And as, uh, as leaders, um, once again, I'm not, a, I'm not an officer, but I think we do a hor horrible job as leaders is not setting the expectations of what you expect from that rescue company or from that ambulance company from the beginning of the shift. And I'm also a fan of not yearly evaluations or this and that, like, Every quarter or so, not even half a year, every quarter or so, still sit down with your crew and be like, these are my expectations, guys. This is, this is, you know, this is, how's it going? How's everybody doing? You know, like, is there anything that, 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 you, that, that I do that, that, that you don't like, but the, but the expectations are still going to be set every quarter. That way nobody forgets. Expectations drive well, uh, performance. hundred percent. Yes, brother. Yes. Well, ahead, and like babe. you said too, the, um, uh, the, the medic truck, right? So some departments will run two and two. So you may have a little bit of an issue, but so you take that, you, you take one of your senior guys that are on the engine or whatever, and they become an OV and then you force multiply your fire attack with the medics. You know what I mean? So now you're, you're getting the doors open, you're getting a hose line in place. And then, you know, you, you're, you're going to make what you have to do. You're going to have, you know, and a lot of those guys that run two and two, they search off the line. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So they go in. Now, is it effective? 100% effective? Mm, probably not. But that's what they have. So they got to be good at it. They yeah. have to push and figure that out. So is that anything, I, that I dig. Is anything we do 100% effective? That's another thing that for whatever reason we come back, you know, we come back from fire standards and, and, and God, I'm really not hating on my fire standard uh, instructors and boys. But for whatever reason, you know, we think that everything needs to be 100 percent effective. For fuck's sake, I've never ran a fire when I come back to the station and I'm like, man, that went fucking great. There's always something I want that every fire back, every fire, yeah. I want back every, every single fire. fire I want to get in the second. I want a second every look fire. at it. Second look at it. Like well, you but you ride a quint or another. I do five things. Five things. Quints always want their fire back. <laughs> I do. Ruin the fire service, bro. Just throwing that out there right now. Every podcast, I say the same fucking Quint thing. And Pablo's heard it before. I I'm love modern it. Day fire, modern day fire apparatus piece. Most of the days I identify as an engine. Other days I identify as a truck. Most of the time I operate as an ambulance. Right, <laughs> because, of, because of you, because of you now on the writing assignment board, I, write, I identify as a truck today. Whenever I'm Fact. riding the old meat wagon, one hundred percent meat wagon. <laughs> That's a mini Dude. heavy, bro. Come on, yeah, yeah. You, and you know you what? It, it works. It works yeah, because mean. your departments uh, embrace that. Uh, some departments haven't. In South Florida, where we have a paramedic-centric, EMS-centric uh, transport culture, uh, Central Florida as well. These our members, our firemen, our 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 manpower. Our force multiplier, you, we guys keep using that. It comes off of that box. Mm -hmm. It really does. We're not showing up there with five, six guys like New York City or these big yeah. urban fire departments where, you know, you, you can split your truck. Two guys to go to the roof. Two guys go to the outside and the chauffeur stays at the truck or somebody goes to take the door. You, they're picking up three assignments or three functional groups with one fire truck. We don't have that down here. Well, we're, we're, even, we're, 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 go, ahead, go ahead, Greg. I'm oh, sorry. Even in California, I mean, they run, you know, they run a – they run four on everything and you know, their truck companies, their terminology is money. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, Hey, we're all out or we're all in or we're two and right. two. So they can split and back their own guys up. And, and that yeah. one truck doing that is a game changer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So going well, back to what you were saying too, Pablo, though, just to jump in there um, when you were saying our officers need to do a better job and all that, I'll be the first one to put my hand up as guilty as charged. Um, the, the quarterly thing, that's a good thing. I wrote that down. Uh, expectations for your crew again. Hey man, this is what we're doing. I like that. That's a, that's a good deal. 
Um, I think my crew kind of knows. I, I may not do the 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 overall expectation. This is what I want. But when we trickle in, they're I think they're good enough um, to basically say, "Hey, uh, is this cool to do it this way?" I'm more of ta- I'm I'm more of task driven. Like so, you know, if we go on the rope call, you're my anchor team. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to do. They're going to anchor, and they know mm-hmm. that we're all going to be up to the same standard. We go on fire, same thing. Hey, you guys are outside truck. You guys are inside mm-hmm. truck. You got the search. They know. They know what's going on. And and I think it's because we they we already know the why. We just got to get in and do the function. And mm-hmm. I think that's why. But uh, I agree with you too. And like I said, I'll raise my hand first too. That um, expectation wise and all that, I do it with newer guys here and there just because uh, I feel that uh, the unit I'm on uh, leaned on a little bit more by our battalions. But mm-hmm. um. But uh, when I have my steady crew there, I, I feel like I, like you said, I don't need to say anything for the most part. Mm-hmm. So to tell them their day, you know, their their day to day or you know month to month expectations, I probably come up short on that. Right, right. You know what I want to bring up real quick? I, I'm going to circle back because I wrote it down. It's going to bother me if I don't get it off my chest. We don't talk shit about it for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, I, it really is. It really is. And, and I don't know if it was Sean or Pablo that mentioned it earlier, and it struck a nerve with me. Uh, if you run a shitty medical call that went bad, you have the white wave of mm-hmm. chief officers, bureau training, EMS, emails, your battalion. If you're mm-hmm. if you're a chief or you're if you're not a captain, your captain come down on you about how the report was written, how the call was run, what policy was not followed for a stranger, for a fucking stranger on a policy. Right. But your fire ground actions or lack thereof, or uh, ill preparedness or lack of training falls solely on the company officer to handle. And if you don't handle it as a company officer, you'll never get the white wave because they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, right. And that yeah. is every department fucking USA. You know, you Absolutely. know why that bothers me. No, no. And I wanted to address that because Sean, you, you, you brought that point up and I wanted to address that. And that's something, and, and I, I'm throwing this out there for discussion on, uh, uh, amongst the four of you guys. The problem is that, there's no minimum standards for EMS. Like when you go to when you go to medic school, doctor school, nursing school, there's literally no minimum standards. Like you, you, you know, like this is this is what the patient is presenting. This is what you're gonna do. Um, you know, I, I uh, from the rope rescue world, for example, you know, especially or I'll, I'll speak to you from the rope rescue world. Yes, there's a there's a hundred different things that we could do for different systems, this and that. I get it, but um, let's. We'll break it down to like the, the, the minimalist thing that we could break it down very layman's term. A, 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 a three to one system in New York City is the three to one system in, 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 in Key West. Uh, it, it, like there's 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 things that there's no minimum standards for if that makes any sense. So EMS being one of them. Mm-hmm. There's minimum standards for fire. And that's what that's why we have so much discrepancy, because you you could burn a house down. Or you could, or you could not search. You could do whatever, and you could fall back on the umbrella of safety. You fall back on that huge umbrella that says, "I wasn't comfortable with doing that because I had low visibility," or uh, <laughs> "I don't know, I, I, uh, I, I wasn't able to throw the ladder because I didn't have two people. I only had one person to throw the ladder." You know, and there's because there is a minimum standard. The minimum standard is the 24 foot extension is a two person throw. So when you have minimum stamping and that one person can't throw it. You can't fucking come up to that guy and be like, what the fuck, buddy? You can't because they're going to be like, oh, I didn't have my partner. And you guess what? As a, as a, as a chief officer, you got to be like, yeah, 
I can't say anything because there's a minimum standard. Well, like Sean said too, it, take take that minimum or take that standard, throw in a ladder, and then there's a little bit smoky, and you hear dogs barking, and it's dark outside. Yeah. I mean, they probably shouldn't even go to that call. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, sh- yeah. they should they should wait outside. Yeah. Well, I, I tell everybody, listen. When's the last time you threw a ladder? And pa- Pablo knows because you know I was I was blessed to work with Pablo for a little over a year. We had the same uh, house together, which was. Very interesting, the two of us every day, every morning. I still fucking hate your face, by the way. Um, <laughs> long story short, um, that was one of the things we hit hard on. And everybody was like, why are you guys always throwing ladders? Well, when's the last time you threw one? Because I don't know if you know this, but victims get rescued from ladders. And you're not going to always have a truck company. And guess what? Engines have ladders. And if you're yeah. not pulling them out and the halyard looks like shit and the and – the, um, ladder's dirty and you haven't taken care of it then that shows me that your tactical priorities are not for the citizens or the victims trapped by fire because if they were the ladder would be clean you'd be exercising it you're making sure that there there is a way that you throw that where you don't even have to look pablo and i would be out back and we'd be talking to each other throwing these things in the middle of the concrete people like when are you going to ever throw that in an open parking lot that's not the fucking point the point, point is, I, I could do it. The point is that I can shoulder this thing, throw it right ever wherever I want to, raise that thing while looking at him and having a full conversation and having um, full control of my ladder. And if you can't do that, you're not proficient in it, and you probably shouldn't be operating a ladder. What tends to happen, and you see it on YouTube videos all the time, and you know the people that don't throw ladders because they'll have one and they'll drop it, and then they'll look confused. And then they'll go to raise it and it either ends terribly or they just drop it and leave it where it is and walk off and do something else. Right. Mm-hmm. That is terrible. What kind of message are we sending to people that a firefighter can't even raise a goddamn ladder? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like if, if you can't lift 75 pounds by yourself, there's problem. There's a huge yeah. problem. Absolutely. You, know? you want, you want to become advanced. You want to do this job advanced as fuck. Master the basics. It is what it is. You look really good when you master the basics. Well, and, and it, we could even take it a step further. And uh, I, I know me and Greg have had numerous uh, beers and, and have talked about this for plenty of times. The, the problem is, is that we are pussifying the fire service. All day. All day. Like, every single thing we do in the fire service is you got to be safe. You got to do this. You got to do this. All these fucking steps. Before you do your task, mm-hmm. to be well, guess what? It's not a fucking safe job, mm-hmm. and that is the reality of it. So, the fact that we try to over safety every fucking thing we do in the fire service is a trickle down effect. Yeah, guys are forgetting how to do the basics Absolutely. because oh, well, I can't throw a ladder unless I have my gloves, my helmet, and all, all this shit. I, I can't do this if I, don't, I, if I don't have this protective PPE. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? It's not a perfect situation. If it was a perfect situation, we wouldn't have got the call and we wouldn't be there. Yeah. 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 And you know who, who you can tell who doesn't go to fires? The people on social media that are oh, pounding on those keyboards. Where's oh. your SCBA? Where's no, this? Dude, and where's they're that? actively doing something <laughs> beneficial. <laughs> And you're like, clearly, dude, because that person is going to throw that ladder, have that victim down and hand it over to the ambulance before you even get on air. And you're the one talking yeah. shit right now. Seriously. 
we yeah. get our fair we get our fair share of those guys on all the training that like we do all the, all the disciplines yeah. it's funny that we laugh about it and you know yeah. send them a t-shirt or a sticker or something and, you know <laughs> whatever they love it yeah, yeah. But, absolutely yeah, going back to what you said too um pablo is uh in the the little writ program that uh that we push and everything uh, that's exactly what we talk about we talk about hey man there's no minimum standards in writ like that's your guy he was pushing deep and mm-hmm. he got he got hemmed up for whatever reason, yeah. and minimum standards is not going to get it. Absolutely, so, you know, di- you need hard charging. Discover some courage and get yourself in there and get your guy out. And hopefully, we have technique and training and blah 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 all that. But uh, that's what it comes down to, and uh, so, in master, mindset, like you said, absolutely so, mastering 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 the basics, man. We go back to you know absolutely. like the, the the throwing of the ladders, you know, shit, you know, like that, you know, and. And that's that's something that whenever I whenever I talk about ladders, I love ladders. I love them. Like they, they, they uh, I have a little love affair with these things. That's something that's weird to me. Like all of a sudden, I mean, talk about selling bullshit and buying it. Like I'm gonna sell you bullshit, and I'm hoping that you buy it. And for whatever reason, you actually do buy it. You know, like ladders will literally stay on a fire engine or a truck for fucking months at a time. I mean, months, they're dirty, they're nasty, they're filthy, yada, yada. You haven't thrown them, you haven't thrown them in years. And all of a sudden, you're going to tell me one day you're just going to randomly wake up around 1.15 in the morning or so and you're going to go to a fucking fire and you're going to throw this fucking ladder to a window. You're going to climb this ladder in full gear, take the window properly, go inside, do a search, find someone, drag them out, get them to the ladder, and then hopefully... (laughs) Put them over the window so your partner could grab them because they're actually unconscious. They're not a conscious victim. And you're going to be like, hey, sir, one step, one step, one step. And bring them down without fucking falling. We Stay actually, them. we believe that, bro. We be, we believe that shit. I'm like, have you, guys, them. have you guys ever, like, I'm, that's, that's why, like, I, I want to throw ladders um, as much as I can. Um, because and we talk about the mentality of, of, uh, of understanding understanding that you could train your brain like my the ladders to me the ladder like sean said the ladder weighs the, the ladder weighs 75 pounds my uh, alkalite an alkalite 24 foot extension weighs 75 pounds 2 p.m on a sunday and it weighs 75 pounds 2 a.m on a thursday and the more that i throw it the more that i'm just used to it and used to it and used to it and used to it and by the time that I throw it, my body and my mind doesn't know whether I'm throwing it to an empty parking lot, to an empty building, or, or to a building on, that's on fire. And obviously, the, the progression goes. As you go, you get more experience. You get into the building. You get, hey, man, I'll, I'll throw it here. I'll throw it here next time. I'll throw it here next time. All right. That comes with experience. I understand that. I'm not stupid. But as far as, like, just physically getting a hold of a damn thing and throwing it over and over again to the, to the point that you're someone looks at you like, man, you're a pretty damn good fireman. No, I just I threw a ladder. Like I'm, I'm not a good. I'm not, I'm not a good fire. Yeah. It's because I just do it over and over. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing as getting in gear and, and and practicing writ and practicing search and stretching hand lines and stuff like that. And it's like I, I don't understand why people don't don't put those reps in. And I'm I'm huge, huge, huge. I'm putting reps in and putting reps in and putting reps in. Now, having said that, I think that there's a misconception, and I and I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for for, for any of you guys out there. I speak for myself. There's a misconception about people like me. Where, like, I've heard, like, bro, you train every day. No, dog, if it's Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to watch the fucking Super Bowl. 
Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, like I, I treat my job as a job in the sense that like, if it's Monday through Friday, eight o'clock in the morning to 5 PM in the afternoon, I work, I work, as, I, I work. I'll put in reps at night. I'll put works, work, works in the, in the, in the morning, in the afternoon. But I work, you know, on, on, on hours. There are days that I come, there are days that I come in that I, that I don't put reps in like that particular day. But it, the analogy goes into going to the gym, right? I go to the gym. I go to the gym mostly every day. But there are days off from the gym. I don't go to the gym seven days a week. But the consistency over time means that I pick up heavy shit and I put it down more than I don't put up, pick up heavy shit and put it down. Which what leads to that leads to being healthier and, and stronger and being able to understand the gym better. So I'm not trying to say that you every single day clock in and be like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're, we're physically doing something today. But every single day you could do something. You know, you could look at you could look at a, a YouTube video. Uh, the days off, that, let's say the days off that you're not throwing a ladder, the days off that you're not stretching a line. It's that, it, you know, it's that it's that it's your birthday or whatever or or 4th of July, Independence Day. Your family's coming over around 2, two o'clock in the afternoon because they want to do a barbecue with you at the station. You know, in the morning, can you do a quick little table talk? You know, uh, hey, guys, what do you think about this? Can you, you know, look at this little quick uh, uh, line of duty uh, injury that we could that we could talk about? Doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be gr- crazy. You know, like I, I, you don't have to throw ladders. You know, if you have 120 shifts of the year, you don't have to throw ladders 120 shifts of the year. There's so many fucking things that we, bring out the rope bag and do a quick little like a, a, a quick little stabilization knot that literally takes all of about three fucking minutes. You know, literally do, do a stabilization knot. You got you got some good training in for the day. You you put your hands on something. It took three minutes. You went inside. You got better for the day. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to add to that for a second, because this is something that fucking pisses me off and people are going to disagree with me. That's perfectly OK. Just hear me out. We focus so much on people's ability to clean, like clean a toilet or take out the garbage or do all this other shit that we're losing the ability to focus on what really fucking matters. Because somehow in our minds, we have thought that the way you scrub a toilet or how how many times throughout the day you make fucking coffee is going to translate onto the fire ground that you're a good fireman. And that's just not fucking true. We should be spending more time showing people where shit's out on the rig, how to use that tool, explaining them their jobs, why yeah. it is they're going to be doing the things they're going to be doing, and drilling. Okay, absolutely. The the idea that a good probationary firefighter or a good firefighter comes in and they make coffee, they take out the garbage, and they they fold laundry and do all those other things, I get it. You've got to you got to pull your weight some. You pick but up then, the slack, right? You pick up yeah, the slack. You pick up the slack. But you know what? If you see something needs to be done, you just fucking do it. That's that's uh, common fucking sense. Absolutely. Okay? But to think that somebody's probationary period as a fireman is solely dictated on their ability to clean a firehouse or how well they wash a rig, that's just fucking ridiculous. It's asinine. Okay? No, it, it, it's, it's it's asinine. It's, it's crazy uh, because you know it's scrubbing a toilet never saved anyone's damn life. And to think that we're going to show up and, and, and tell somebody, hey, man, you know what? You, you clean the station like nobody else has cleaned the station. You're probably going to save my life when shit hits the fan. That's not realistic. Absolutely. It really no. isn't. Dude, dude that, that's funny, but it's so true. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we harp, we harp, harp, harp on like, you better know where everything is on the rig. I, I, I understand that. No, I understand. You ain't fucking open the door 75 times on a fire scene. You better not do that. You better know what everything is on the rig. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, at least in my firehouse anyway. 
where the house, unless, unless it was moved by one of the shifts, and then we obviously talk about each other, where the Halligan is today, the Halligan is going to be tomorrow, and the Halligan is probably going to be there four months from now. If 10 shifts in, eight shifts in, we're still working on, you better know where everything is on the rig. We probably need to work on a little bit something different. I want you to know where everything is on the rig by the, by the second shift, by that, by that night. You know, like you better know where everything is on the rig. That's what, that's what you're there for. By the 10 shifts in, we're going to start working on like, hey, what is that tool capable of? By, the, by, the, by a month in, motherfucker, I want you to tell me who's, who manufactured that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mechanical it's advantage my- of the Halligan is a good place to start. People yeah. have this Halligan, and we tell them yeah. before stores, they have zero idea how to use it. But they can they, tell you where it's at. It's on the high side. Yeah, motherfucker. It was on the high side. <laughs> well, you know, and, and here's the thing. They're like, a Home Depot employee. They're a Home Depot employee. They can tell you where it is. They can build it for you. I don't want to paint a bad picture about station chores. Like, don't get me wrong. But imagine what our fire service would be like if we worked together and we got that shit done together because it's more time to get out on the on the uh, apron or wherever we happen to be and train on shit that actually mm-hmm. makes a difference in someone's life. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, cool. You come to my firehouse and it's messy and you write a letter to my fire chief. I came by the firehouse today. It was messy. <laughs> I don't really care what you think. All right. What are you going to write to my fire chief when I show up to your emergency and I can't fucking throw a ladder? I can't stretch a line. I can't do a 360. I can't really do any of the basic fundamentals that I'm supposed to be able to do because I spent so much of my time during the day answering emails, doing target solutions, and cleaning the station. No, you're right? clear because you're clear because it was unsafe. Right. You know right. what I mean? So um, I think that that kind of stems into the whole mentorship side of things is mm. – we're our own worst enemy with that shit. We really are. Like we'll sit there and we'll judge people all day long, but we won't reach our hand out and say, let me help you. Right. And, um, we're so quick to sit at the table. Like I think about this for a second, when you're sitting at the table or on the apparatus of the pumper or wherever you're at, and someone's talking shit about another firefighter, you better believe as soon as you leave, they're probably talking shit about you too. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where we're failing is if, if we could just say, hey, man, we're better together. Everybody's got strengths. Everybody's got weaknesses. But our weak, our strengths are once a weakness. We just figured this out that through sets and reps, we wanted to do better and we were going to do better. That's how we got to where we are. I'm going to show you right now. I'm going to share my failures with you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to teach you how to be successful because that matters. That makes everything else better not only just for that person on your crew, but what if they're doing a, a exchange of time or they're on mm-hmm. overtime or whatever? That is an asset to the next crew. And anybody can be a coach or an instructor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody. And, you know, it's, anybody. Anybody. That, we, yeah. have, we have people coming into the fire service, believe it or not, dude, no life experience, okay? And that's not their fault, you know? that This might be their first real job ever. That's not our fault, but it is our problem, right? We have to take that person and show them the way. We can't just mm-hmm. like look at them and then chastise them when they mess up because they don't know any better. They're trying – imagine the stress they have, right? Yeah. Coming in for the first day, trying to figure things out, how to navigate through the fire service, and then we're telling them like, hey, don't worry about that, just clean. And then they go to a fire and they ask you, hey, how did I do on that? Oh, we'll talk about it later. And then you make fun of them because they absolutely sucked. 
Yeah. Well, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't do that's anything. An, to make that's it an advanced skill. We'll talk. We'll talk about that later. That's an advanced skill. But fuck yeah, it is. It that's is. a basic skill. That's a basic skill that you need to learn, right? Like um, I look at it this way: if if somebody on my engine company or or my rescue company, <clears throat> if they fuck up, I fucked up. Period. Yeah. End of discussion. Right. We got to own it. We own it together and we're, we'll get over it and we'll do it better yeah. the next time. But we're going to train on it together because we made that mistake together. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, it's funny you say that, too. Um, j- just uh, I want to add to that, Rob, then you can grab your question. The uh, we t- we took on a couple um, new personnel in our department and uh, they came on with like maybe a couple weeks training for for whatever reason. There was numerous reasons. We hired onesies, twosies, here's and there. And uh, the, um, it, you know, some of us had to sit back and say, Hey man, you need to give this person a little bit of a break. Like you said, the stress, the stress values up that they, they don't know anything. It's legit that they don't, they know the last thing they know was the person that was in fire school that was showing them, you know, a yeah. year ago, year and a half ago. So they yeah. truly don't know anything. So we had to kind of take them under our wing a little bit. And I had one of them in my station and all in all, uh, I, I think uh, I think we had two or three of them. I, I want to say all three of them absolutely killed it, mm-hmm. just because they were so focused and and I think that nerve nerve racked focus was kind of working. So I, and, and like you said, I, I looked at it and I took the one in my station. And it was like, well, if he fails, my crew didn't fail. I did. Need, mo- mostly my crew was training these personnel uh, or this guy. You know what I mean? He was training them, but. I, I was kind of like, you know, getting a lot of feedback. I'd go out and help out, do whatever I could, but it was, it was solely in my lap that if he failed or something went wrong, then it was on me, even though my crew was doing all in all and I would have took the heat, but, but that's right. when we go back to getting that buy-in and the crew is like, yeah, uh, we're that's in the, on it. So, mentor- stress. but we should do that with everybody. Yeah. That's mentorship. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Hey, to touch up on real quick on the two things you guys talked about earlier, and I'm writing notes because you guys are you guys are killing on every front. You're talking about a lot of cool shit, and the people watching out there tonight are in for a huge treat because I I got three pages of notes. You're just talking to these guys. Uh, a lot of stuff that we talked about earlier. Sean talking about the janitor. Uh, you know, my kid doesn't need a janitor at 3 a.m. He needs a fucking fireman. All right, so you keep these guys at the firehouse cleaning toilets all day long, and you don't invest on any type of skill set acquisition or building of that member, building of that fireman. You you failed that member. If your only concern is how clean your shitters are, you know, at three in the morning, I don't need a janitor. I need a fireman. Uh, that's the reason I'm, that's the reason we dialed 911. As far as uh, what you were talking about earlier, Pablo, about throwing the ladders, and I know the difference where there is 2 p.m. or 1.30 in the morning, um, you know, it all goes back to, you know, and I like to revert back to every, every time I, we do any kind of teaching, I like to revert back to the human aspect of it and the emotional environment that we operate in at three in the morning. When you got flame blowing out of two windows, you have that mom or parent in the front yard. You have that confirmed rescue that you know is a targeted search. Last week, we talked with Tom Johnson out of Colorado, the guy from Fit to Fight Fire. And he yeah. had that grab a couple weeks ago. He talked about they got there, high-speed environment, high-energy environment, a lot of moving parts, people jumping out of windows, people passing babies down from a third-floor multifamily walk-up. And he knew he was going to go do a, a VES. The last thing you want on your mind on that day for the people listening is to think about, is my gear on right? Is my mask on right? Did I check my air pack in the morning? Am I uncomfortable in this gear? Mm-hmm. How do I get this ladder out of the truck? When's the last time I threw this ladder? Have I mm-hmm. exercised this ladder? Where's the center point? Where's the balance point? Am I throwing this you know, fly section in, fly section out? All those things masking up 
All those things should be second nature. So you can Absolutely. focus on the task at hand. So you can focus on that low-frequency Super Bowl event where now you're making the throw to go through the window to do the targeted search or VES beyond the door to that confirmed victim in that high-energy environment. So if you're focusing on that low-frequency task and not the fact that, you, that you're uncomfortable in your gear, you're hot in your gear, your mask is not getting itself on the way you expected it to, that ladder that you're getting off the truck hasn't been exercised in weeks and now you can't get the halyard to untie. You haven't gotten your fire gloves on. You haven't worked or trained with your fire gloves because every time you did fucking ladders or anything else, you're using extrication gloves. Mm -hmm. So now you, you're, you're completely lost all dexterity and you're not That's functioning cool. anymore. Dude, all those things matter and they shave seconds off and seconds become minutes and minutes saves lives. Um, and on the human aspect, it creates a huge physiological change in your mind. For somebody like Pablo, somebody like Sean, uh, guys like the, the one percenters that are on here that are training every day in gear, that are throwing ladders as much as possible, you're creating positive neural pathways from point A to point B. I'm not going to get into the, the prefrontal cortex and none of that, but you're creating positive, open, quick-acting, non-thinking, reflective fucking mm -hmm. pathways that are telling you, grab the ladder, throw the mask on, put it at the window, and before you know it, you're at the step of the window and you're ready to make entry. And none of the other steps before that mattered or required prefrontal cortex thinking. So it caused very little energy, very little exertion. You're on auto throttle like the generator, and you're not mm -hmm. wasting too much fuel because you mm -hmm. put in the time in the reps before 1.15 in the morning. And for all Absolutely. these fucking dreamers, all these fucking dreamers that go to work every third day, and it's a costume party for 25 years, and their wives <laughs> and their fucking and their wives and their kids think that their daddy and their husband's a fireman, and they get to home, go home every third day and wear their costume to their career day. All right, they go to their kids' elementary school career day and they haven't put any effort into the job because they show up to work thinking about their stocks, thinking about the recliner, thinking about the landscaping business, the pool business. Dude, I get it. You got to put food on the table, but this is your job. This is your vocation. All right? Preach go on, ice cream. Go Absolutely. sell fucking ice cream. That's not what we're here. It's about them, not you. Oof, I felt like Pablo there. Where's my water? Where's my water? I don't got water. I don't got water. I see that stream coming Pacho, out. Pablo Ramirez right there, dude. That's it. That was that was good. Or I had to fire off on hey, my Hey, take me off the screen, Herb. I got to go. Yes. Hey, I, I got a little chubby right there, man. Jeez. Dude, yeah, I just said back. I'm like, fuck. I felt like you were screaming at me. <laughs> no, dude, that was really so beautiful. Hey, that was that was, that was was Sean and Pablo had a child right there. That was it. Dude. That, was, that was on fire. I, I yelled at you while I yelled at you while I fucking gave you data, brother. I'll tell you what, man. You know, you know what the greatest thing about uh, about that entire conversation was. We go back to uh, mentors and and what is a mentor? What is an instructor? Anybody can be an instructor, but what you just did there, Rob, what you did earlier, Greg, what you do on a what you guys all do on a on, on a daily basis. You guys are mentors because. For whatever, like when we talk about what's the difference, anybody could be a, a, an instructor. Anybody could go to a fire academy and fucking be like, I want to teach. Anybody could do, uh, you know, just literally go for a paycheck. But having someone do something because they legitimately are passionate about something and do it the right way, man, like that is literally what a mentor is. And for whatever reason, we, we, like want to make fun of people for wanting to look up to other people. Like I knew of you guys before I, before you guys knew that I knew of you guys. 
it, it's okay for me to look at B and be like, man, dude, I, I like the way that uh, that Cap Ramirez, you know, like he uh, he he carries himself, man. I like the way that 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 you know he presents himself. I like the way that he goes about the job, stuff like that. You know, like you could be a mentor to someone without even knowing you're a mentor. Like you just by just going about the job the right way, and people will follow. People will follow. You don't have to. You don't have to go out of your way to be a quote unquote mentor. People will follow just by you doing the the, the right thing. And um, I think uh, you know what you just what you did there, what you said there. Like that's those are things that people will follow. Now here's the thing about being a mentor, though. Here's the thing about being a mentor. You can't be caught in a lie, because let's just say for argument's sake, you know, like I um, so I tell you about I said earlier about like oh two o'clock in the morning to uh, to. Uh, uh, 2 p.m., you know, you won't know the difference in a call for me. Like I said, I don't, I, my name's Pablo Jenner. I'm not a liar. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I want to be asleep. I want to be asleep. I like my sleep. But at 2 o'clock in the morning, when the toe pain comes in, uh, you're not going to know the difference between 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. because I'm going to run the call the same way cordial. Now, now, the day that I get up out of bed and I walk across that bunk room and I say, fuck this goddamn shit, blah, 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 I become a liar. And I am no longer a mentor. Because I literally disappointed whoever is looking up to me. Because if someone's going to be looking up to the way that you do things. And mentorship goes a long way as long as you don't become a liar. Yeah, right, so, so let me ask a question. The and I, and I, go ahead, go ahead. I have the question nope. for you. And I'm going to set you up. I'm going to set you up. Uh, so we talk a lot about the importance of mentoring and coaching. All right. And in today's fire service. And I've heard you talk about it before, Sean. Um, what's the importance and the difference between mentoring someone and coaching someone? And go. Perfect. So you see this slide here. This is in our mentoring and leadership program. Mm. All of those things fall under mentoring. Um, and, and this is just my opinion, right? So again, some people might disagree and that's okay. I personally believe that like when you mentor somebody, that is passing on knowledge, right? That is personal and professional development. Coaching is more like for skills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's task oriented. You're, you're really focused on boosting performance. They're mm -hmm. both essential there. I, I don't want to say that one's better than the other, but we have to understand what it is that we're doing. When we become mentors in the fire service, we, we don't, we don't want to just like talk about it. We want to be about it. Right. We, right. we don't want to just tell somebody why this job's great. We want to show them why it is. Right. So that goes back to, to my personal opinion of time on just because you have 15, 20, 30 years on whatever does not mean that you're going to be a good mentor because it is very possible that you could be repeating your Academy year, 15, 20, 30 years in a row. Congratulations. You're a lifelong rookie. Don't care. Okay. Mentorship is about sharing your, your successes as well as your failures, looking at somebody and be able to say, Hey, listen, I know how you feel. I've been there before, and this is what I found out. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together, right? And, and humbleness, right? You, you got to be able to humble yourself and realize you don't fucking know everything. Mm -hmm. That person that's looking to you for guidance and, and the one that you're mentoring is probably going to teach you something. You have to be open-minded and accept that and realize that things are changing. People come from different backgrounds. People have various different experiences. What it's really about is this is what our objective is. Let's come together on this common ground. We're, we're going to work for the end result. And we're going to figure out what works and what doesn't. And along the way, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that have worked for me. 
use them, see if they work for you. And, and it's this constant thing. So there's a slide that I have in here um, that came from Zachary, uh, Lu Luis Zachary, uh, or I'm sorry, Louis Zachary. She had this book um, called Creating a Culture of uh, Mentorship. And this is what she explains. Pretty much boost, once boosting performance, once personal and professional development, right? And if we go to the next slide um, that we have in our class, what it really boils down to is it's got two distinct things. I've played professional, or not professional, but sports all of my life, and I've had a coach, right? When that coach wants me to do something, I drill and I drill and I drill, and it's pretty much on me, right? Mm -hmm. He tells me, this is where you want to be. This is what you have to do, and then I've got to do the groundwork, mm -hmm. where when we have a mentor, that person's right beside you. They're doing the same thing you're doing. Maybe I tell somebody, hey, you have, to, you have to work out in your gear, man. You really have to get used to all of this weight and this heat and all of these things so that it just becomes you know, part of the equation and you don't even think about it. I can't tell somebody that if I'm not doing it, I'm sitting there in basketball shorts and flip-flops yelling mm -hmm. at them because they're not quick enough or they're, they're exhausted, right? So to me, that's where that mentorship comes in. You're in gear. I'm in gear. We're going to be right, right beside each other doing the same exact thing, working through the same exact thing, because I'm going to show you that I've been where you are and then I'm willing to be there again and we're going to get through it. And through that whole um, thing, I'm going to grow and you're going to grow. And that makes Absolutely. us stronger together. In that mentorship is truly where I believe that that unit cohesion takes place. And when, when we talk about unit cohesion, a lot of people are like, hey, you want doors forced? You want line stretch? You want searches made? These are the go-to guys. So if you're going to be the go-to guy, you better make damn sure you're worth being you know, brought up. You know, you're worth going to. And that only happens by that constant repetition, bringing people with you and saying, hey, man, I'm not afraid to fail in front of you because you know what? That, that's life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but it's how we rebound from that mistake that really defines what happens next. And mm -hmm. um, that, again, that's just my take on it, but that's what I have found uh, resonates well with people when you can relate to them and you can bring them in and say, Hey, I'm invested in you. Yeah. Okay. My investment's here. And we have to understand that mentorship, man, we can do everything right when we're on, when we're at the firehouse. But it's really what happens outside the firehouse that matters too, right? Um, you don't want to be a mentor only when you're on duty. You should be approachable at all times and people should be able to call you and say, hey, I'm, I have an issue. Hey, I have a question. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really the whole thing. Ask about their day. Ask about them. Like, hey, how are you? Do you have a wife? Do you have kids? Like, what is your life like? Because we don't really know these people right at, at first we have to get to know them and that's that's half the battle knowing where their background comes because people learn in different ways right how i learn may not be how pablo learns and, and so on right so if i say um to you hey this is the way you have to do it and this is the only way it might not be of a benefit to you a true mentor will realize like okay listen obviously this isn't working for you Based off mm -hmm. of what I know about you, I might have to do this instead. And I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you through this. 
where I've found with coaches in my life anyway, um, it's more of like, you're going to drill until you puke. I don't really give a shit. And there's that disconnect there of personal feelings. And I always put it this way. You have people on a, on a sports team that are really good that play a lot. And, and you have the people that are benched. And the people that are benched, all they want is to play that game. Those people are constantly trying to improve and do those things for that one shot. Whereas when it's mentoring, in my opinion, again, it's, hey, man, I see, I see you really want to do this. I think you have potential. I'm going to give you this shot. Even right. if it costs us the game, I, I don't care because I want you to feel part of this team because your talents are just as important to me as everybody else's talents. So I'm going to put you in. Um, and, and that's what I've learned anyway. So that's my spiel on the whole thing. That, that's how I personally feel about it, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, I think that's how we should be approaching the mentorship versus coaching things when, when we uh, talk about it in, in our profession. Yeah. You got something, Pablo? <clears throat> it's a fine line. Yeah, brother. It's a, it's a fine line. Honestly, you know, like mentorship, you know, like you could be, a, you could be a mentor to someone um, from afar. And that's, I think that's something that, that I really, really want to get across to, to whoever's listening tonight, any of our audience, you could be a mentor, mentor to someone from afar. Uh, you could, uh, you could admire someone um, and, and it's, and it's okay. Um, you don't have to feel bad for admiring someone for thinking, man, I like the way they, they do that. Um, uh, coaching to me, a, a, a coach or, or, or an instructor is someone that is like uh, is is drilling on you. Uh, and I don't want to use that word in a bad way, but just like drilling, like, all right, we're going to work on this skill. We're going to work on, on improving this particular uh, uh, skill set, whether it be a, a ladder throw or it be this or whatever. We're going to work on, it. Um, you know, but but a, a mentor, you know, you could it's someone that for me anyways, that, that just leads by example. That, that's a, that's, you know, like that comes in and, and every single day uh, does the same, does that same routine to set themselves up for success. They set themselves up for success, which, which then, which then you just look at it and you're like, man, I, I like the way you do that. You know, like I, for example, and I'm by no means, am I saying I'm a mentor or nothing on those lines, but, uh, but I'm just saying like the other day I had uh, one of the younger members look at the way that I carry my gear. Cause I carry, I carry my, my expectation, um, uh, equipment uh, uh, separate from my structural firefighting gear. You know, uh, it's just separate because um, mm -hmm. I don't like to be completely weighed down. It's not. It, I want to have separate things for for, for separate yeah. jobs that I'm about to go do. And they just looked at it. And they're like, "Hey, what, do you, what what is this setup you got here?" And I explained to them real quick the setup uh, that I have and why I have it and how I keep it every single day, basically the same way. If you if you d distort my setup in any way, it throws me for a fucking loop seven ways from Sunday. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's someone that was looking from afar and said, man, I like that setup. Why does he do it like that? I don't do it like that. But, and whatever he's doing has been helping him. It, he, he's obviously doing something that, that's put him in the path to success. Um, so let me, let me see what they're doing. Um, as opposed to a coach, a coach and, you know, a coaching would have been if I would have gone up to that person and said, Hey, um, which I've done before. Don't get me wrong. Hey man. Um, uh, do it like this, you know, like, uh, and, and this is the only way to do it or whatever, you know, like, I don't know, something along those lines where we're right. drilling, so, um, you know, and, and we got to be very careful. We got to be ca very careful as to um, 
coaching or excuse me, like being drill instructors and all that type of stuff, man. So that's, that's, to me, that's, a, that's, that's walking a really, really fine line into, into, uh, teaching is a skill, man. It really is. And, you know, whoever does it at, at a high level, um, there is a, a path that comes crosses each other between mentors and coaches at this high level. And, you know, I'm pointing to you three, um, to you four, excuse me, um, at this high level of, 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 of teaching, there is a, 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 a crossroads where you are a mentor and you are a coach because there are, there are such, there's a thing as separates, you know, like where there's literally someone that just mentors because you see them from afar and you admire, and there's someone that literally coaches you right in your face. Uh, but to us, um, you know, to the gentleman that I, that I surround myself with, even in my own firehouse, um, you know, my Lou being one of them, obviously I think he's, he's watching right now, you know, we're, we're, they're, they're mentors and they're coaches. Like I, I, I follow the way that he does things, um, even till this day, um, you know, and, and I, and I, when I'll ask him for advice, you know, so it's like, it's one of those things like he's coaching and he's mentoring. So there is a fine line between, uh, between, between both at this type of level of uh, of instruction because there is different remember there's different level the talent levels or there's different levels of talent to teaching that that word that's a skill that is a skill that is that not everybody has to understand how to cater to an audience and 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 teach individual uh lessons to people but yet at the same time keep your path uh to success straight um, and once again, never be caught in a lie because the moment that you say, oh, I do this, I do this, I do this. But then when some, when you go to, when you get on scene and you don't do it, or when you do something that, that, that is detrimental to, to the mission or to the men or to the firehouse, and it's literally contradicting to what you've been preaching the entire time at that point, to me anyway, you would lose all credibility. I would never look at you the same way. I, I would literally be like, that, that guy is a piece of shit. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Uh, those lines of mentorship and coaching, they do kind of cross and intertwine. You can be at days that you're a coach and there's days that are that you function as a mentor. And, and it's okay to do both. And, and your mentorship, like most of my mentors are a mentorship from afar. I totally agree with you, Pablo. A lot of the guys that mentor me throughout my career may not even know they mentored me. Absolutely. I, just, I, I followed their behaviors. I followed their path. I followed their teachings. I understood their logic. I, I saw the way they approached uh, within my agency, and I'm just talking about my department now, and I never actually do that on, on the podcast. Rob, Robbie, you, you, you were once a me. You you said earlier in the show, we've known each other for years. We have. Bro, you were once a me. You didn't even know that. And I and I, and, and I value and appreciate that, uh, that, you know, that, that position in your life. But, you know, we, we all look up to each other in one way, shape, or form. That's perfectly okay in the fire service. There's nothing wrong with us looking for people that have done something that we haven't yet. And to shoot, to aspire to that goal, and to get to 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 be like the path that they chose. Um, a lot of guys and girls think that in order to be successful in this profession, you had you need a mentor. And you know what? Or the only way you're going to be successful is you get a mentor. But if you do well every single day you go to work and you put in the effort and you show that you are committed to this craft, a mentor will find you. Absolutely. All right. Every single one of us. Every single one of us on this screen right now knows about a person in your agency today. That you go to work every day and you're like, you know, that kid gets it. And I'm going to make sure that he does mm, yeah. A, B, and C because that's a yeah. stud. And yeah. he has so much potential. And the fact that you're identifying potential, yeah. he's going to earn a mentor because every single one of you is a mentor one shape or form. 
So if these guys come to work, they do well, they're gonna a mentor will find them. They don't have to go out of the way to find one to be successful. And, and I just wanted to add to that because I love the fact that you mentioned mentorship from afar. Everyone thinks that they have to look around their firehouse or the station next door or even within their own agency. Dude, it's perfectly okay to find the mentor afar and follow and emulate them and even become friends with them and find out if they can coach you or, or raise you in any way, shape, or form. And, and, I, and that's pretty cool. Well said. Yeah, it, you know, I'll bring up the ego thing again. Like, the thing about ego is we're so protective in the fire service, like people are taking our shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really hate that because if we're truly about learning and sharing knowledge and not hoarding it, it really shouldn't matter whose name's on it. We want that information to get out. We want it to be shared because that's how we make a standard and that's how we, we get everybody on the same fucking page. Um, so with that, as a mentor, like as a coach, I can teach you skills, right? I can teach you skills that I, I want you to have because I know that they're going to make you successful. But as a mentor, my hope is that you far surpass my abilities in every way, shape, and form. And we have to be okay with that. Sometimes people can't understand that. Like when, when they grab a hold of somebody and they're like, hey, kid, come here. Let me show you some stuff. And that kid gets it and they start like rising and, and just really doing well. Sometimes people will get a little uneasy. They're like, well, that person's the way they are because of me. Absolutely. And that's, that's where we have to understand that really in this job, we're not self-service. And, and if you're in it to be a self-servant, then you should probably just leave. Right. Yep. Our job is to, to make any emergency we get called to better. Our job is to make mm -hmm. the people around us better and our organization better. End of discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's not on your on your plate and you're not willing to swallow that, then this may not be the job for you. We have to humble ourselves and realize, like, when I see potential in somebody and I'm planting that seed, I have I have to make sure I do everything in my power to get my hands dirty and just make that seed grow. You know, uh, Benjamin Martin talks about this awesome awesome thing where a farmer plants a seed and he just doesn't expect it to grow, right? He gets his hands dirty in the soil and he cultivates that seed and he makes it grow. And that's what we need to yep. be doing as mentors, right? Mm -hmm. Because every single one of us, if you want to, if you want to really get technical, every single one of us are temporary employees. And what I mean by that is eventually we're all going to retire. Yep. So if we truly care about this profession, and we truly care about the individuals that we're serving and we understand that we're public servants and not self-servants, then our intention should be to build a legacy that that, that continues long after we're gone mm -hmm. with people yeah. that can take it further than we were ever able to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point, you know? So we have to let go of ego and just understand that like, we're all in this, hopefully we're all in this together, right? And, and if we can all achieve that same goal of just making this job the best that we can and instilling that mindset through future generations to come, man, this fire service is going to be incredible to watch. Yeah, that's exciting, man. That really is exciting. Yeah, that's pretty sure. awesome. You got something, Greggy? Yeah, I'll... um. Yeah, so I got a I, I got a question here, uh, Herb. You don't have to put it up right now. I'll I'll tell you when to put my little graph up. But um, so I'm I'm gonna tell a little story where I feel that um, I became uh basically uh an infant 
uh, captain, company officer, to where I grew up in an instance over a call that I had. And I was riding up as the battalion chief, and, and it was my crew. So let me tell you that. But So the question I'm going to ask you guys, and I want you to think about it, um, and, and I already know your answer because we talked about it a little bit, but I'm going to throw it out there, is search and rescue, finding a victim is the most important thing on the fire ground, period, in my opinion. I'll argue that with anybody. Uh, and everything else kind of supports it. Now, there are some that are immediate support. There's some that's a little bit longer. Um, so going to my call, it was, a, it was a dark, stormy night. You know, not not really. But anyway, so we're on a 800-square-foot uh, shotgun shack. It's basically um, a rectangle. And then they build out the bedroom off of the Delta wall. They build it in. So it separates a living room. You get a little mm -hmm. hallway, a door into a bedroom. And then the back of the house is a, is a kitchen and a bathroom. Very, very, very low income, but we have quite a few of them in our city. Um, we went in, everybody in the whole firehouse was stepped up into the position in front of them. I don't know if it was holidays or something or whatever. I was riding the chief. Uh, they, the rescue company that was going was a, so you guys are going to love this. It was a rescue company that came in and I assigned them as an inside truck company and they got the search. So they were coming in on the alpha side on the porch and every, like I said, everybody was stepped up. So it was a step up officer. They pushed to the porch. They get there. The engine, uh, the engine rolled up a little bit after that and they stretched the line as they were stretching into the alpha side there was already another engine that stretched the back porch was like the uh, bravo charlie corner so they made that rear door all dade county pine sealed like a like a tinder box they made that rear door fires right there in the kitchen they start knocking the fire down on the bravo charlie corner alpha side gets a little bit delayed the guy's still pushing to search three aggressive dudes on the rescue. They're like hose lines flowing in the rear. We got pretty good, moderate amount of smoke here. First guy goes in. Second guy goes in. They kind of do an oriented search officer kind of stays on that front wall towards the door. As they pass him, he punches the ceiling to make sure it's not over him. Cause it's all tongue and groove hits it a couple times, takes a look up there. A little bit of smoke's pumping out. He sits there as he's sitting by the front door, it flashes from the rear, blows straight out the front, smokes all three of their gear. These guys knew where they were, crawled themselves back out the front door. A step-up officer at that time, you know, maybe like a eight or eight-year-ish guy, stayed at the door taking the feed to make sure his guys could get out the front door. And then they rolled out on the porch. So a lot of I, I learned a million things that night. A um I'll never, I'll never veer off the point of if my truck company arrives first, I'm signing them truck company work. I'm not going to hold off. I'm not going to do anything. If my third in an engine comes in and they're an engine company, I'm assigning them engine work, period. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to fill, to keep my tactical rhythm going, I'm going to fill the gaps with my rescues. And that's exactly what I did. The front line, uh, the, the alpha line was a little bit delayed, which threw off. Everyone was just rocking and rolling. It was just one of those things that happened. So as I'm coming up as the chief guys running around, Hey man, my nephew's in there. My nephew's in there. So we're walking up and now we're like, all right, we got to get moving. I told the rescue, whatever. So that's how it all played out. Well, his nephew was 15 years old. He was down at the end of the road 
at his girlfriend's house, but you don't know that. You think nephew, this guy's 30 years old. You know, you're thinking it's an eight-year-old or a six-year-old. Yeah. I found out around the entire house, bars around the back, chicken wire on the front doors or on the sides and the front windows. The only entrance was the back door and the front door. So 800 square foot, you know, needed my truck company to do some work. They started doing all that. So that solidifies the point how important search is because if the one firefighter that made made it in the farthest, he was at the door when it flashed and he came straight out. Mm -hmm. He said if he was a couple more steps in and he could have, he would have pushed into that room. He would have shut the door. He would have confined himself to that room, but he couldn't get out because of the chicken wire on the outside, the thick, heavy chicken wire. The truck company is coming around. They were more worried about fire in the front, so they stalled and pulled a bumper line instead of doing truck work. So mm -hmm. we had a big powwow and everything got settled and, you know, um, everything worked out. We learned a lot. The, the nephew was down the road. We got the primary search. It flashed. These guys rolled out. They rolled back in, finished the job. Everything was said and done. But search being the most important thing, everything supported. To me, that absolutely proved it. It absolutely proved how important bars and everything on the outside of the outside of the building, making access points, exit absolutely. points for your guys doing your search. Cause now you're not searching 800 square feet from front to back. Now you're searching 300 feet to an exit, 300 feet yeah. to an exit. So what's your guys take on that? And, and, you yeah, know, splitting it into divisions. It's the same thing where we, where Sean talked about uh, with, with large commercial structures, you still, you're, what is, what is essentially a VES search? You're splitting into a division. What is, what is, um, is doing uh, OVM work and, and 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 softening the building. You want to split into split it into divisions. Absolutely, I, I, uh, uh, great call, and I couldn't agree with you more. I said it, we said it a little bit off air earlier when we were talking. Life safety. I, going back to minimum standards in ISTA. This is we've bashed them uh, enough. We'll we'll go, we'll say something nice. Live life safety, incident stabilization, property conservation. Our number one objective is life safety. At the end of the day. Um, uh, it, so talking about the, the the analogy of the vehicle accident, you know, you get you 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 get uh, turned out to a to a to a nasty pin job. You're on I-75. You get there. I love that. Fucking thing is rolled over 75 ways from Sunday. Shit, is, it looks fucking gnarly. The shit is not on fire, and there's nobody and there's nobody inside. What the hell do you do? You say, well, and engine so and so to command. We're clear. We're going back to the firehouse. I got nothing to do there because there's nobody for me to save. Um, our job is life safety, whether it be on, 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 on an MBA or, 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 or a, um, a working fire. Our job is life safety. I think that's literally what, what, what it boils down to. And, you know, when we talk about the, 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 the name of the class, searchable versus survivable, tacticians versus much. We just don't name it that because we can't. Nobody, actually, I think somebody would, most people will sign up for that. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, absolutely, brother. I um, couldn't agree more. And, uh, and splitting splitting the stru stru structure into divisions uh, is so huge when it comes to searching and uh, and doing that outside truck work. Yeah. So this is a uh, we we, uh, we talked about this earlier. This is basically um, since I had five six years on, I was breaking it all down, and this is kind of how I broke it down years ago, and um, we're gonna. I think, I think Herbie's going to end up putting this on our website or on our Facebook site. So anybody can take it, take it, steal it, destroy it, like it, send it back to me with, you know, inappropriate drawings. I don't care. But um, this right here is how I broke it down into like three or four different tiers. 
and uh, it works. And it seems like a lot of people like it. And as of 15, 16, 17 years, I'm telling you, there's only one or two things that have really changed on this little gra- silly graph that I was doodling uh, years ago. So, um, so what's your take on that, Duff? What do you, what do you think about that? So I can't really see it here, but uh, let's see. So is this all your tactical objectives? Like what? You yeah, do it kind of starts in the center. It's uh, figured as a bullseye. Get the most points for the center. Um, you got the VIX, and that's your primary. Going to locate the fire, right. and then you're going to work your way out. Fire attack VES. on the outside. Yeah, VES. You know, so, all the way out. So here's here's what I'm going to say about that. And I love engine work. Don't get me wrong. Like I've had an nozzle in my hand many times, and it is a blast. And it is definitely essential on the fire ground. Not trying to take that away from anybody. But if you give me the option of, of what I want to do, I want to be searching because for me, that's where I'm going to do the greatest good, right? The quicker I can get in there and the quicker I could occupy the space where victims are most likely to be, put my hands on them and physically remove them, the more successful that outcome is going to be. Um, again, fire attack has to happen. Two crucial things on the fire ground, fire attack and ventilation. However, I feel that a lot of times we put search further down in that list because we're waiting on fire attack or ventilation. And by the time that we search and maybe we do find that victim, it could be 10, 12 minutes into the incident. And when we look at um, where we, we have the greatest impact, numbers don't lie. And when we get those rescue surveys back, what we find out is that the first four minutes on scene account for nearly 60% of our victim survival rate. Uh, I'm getting in that building, period. Any means possible. I don't care if it's one window. If that's the window that I can get in to search, that's fine. But, um, you know, going back to what Chief Reinwald was talking about the other day, why do we only think of things as, as one skill? Who says that a front door or a back door is the only way into the building? If a window is our way that we got to get in, why can't we not bring a hose line with us? Mm-hmm. protect the search effort with the hand line. Most of the time we're showing up with two people, right? So if we have the ability um, to stretch that line and search, and that is where we have to impact uh, or our greatest impact is, guess what? I can have a pop. I can have Pablo on the hand line. It only takes one person to put out the fire and I could be searching that space. He's protecting that search effort. Yeah. With that said, I'm a huge, huge advocate that search is our number one priority. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend that 100 every time. I agree. No, I, I and I agree with you. And then for the guys out there and gals that are watching that have low staffing, and you, you know you're saying to yourself, well, I you know I don't you know um, I don't have the luxury of working in a uh, you know 500 member fire department, et cetera, et cetera. And you know I'm pulling up with a you know two man engine or three man engine or whatever. Um, are we on? Did we lose him? Who me? You got me. Can you hear me? Who did we lose? I don't think we lost anybody. I don't think, yeah. Oh, you guys, so, I lost you guys for a second. I'm sorry. I no, think sorry. you're lost, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Rob? Rob. Come back, Rob. The, uh, the, for the people that, that have that two-man or three-man engine, and, and that's what they're going to be, you know, doing a fire attack with, um, we uh, – uh, how do I say this without in, uh, getting too much into like uh, nozzle forward stuff or or, or, or air and fuel stuff? Um, one of the reasons that, that actually 
I like that class and is yeah, are 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 we the city of Seattle? Are we pushing in with a deuce and a half or this and that or whatever? I know no man, it is what it is. You know, there's a lot of things that might not be applicable um for for each different section of the country, whatever. That's another story for another day. But one of the reasons that I like that class is because it teaches you how to how to maneuver a handline by yourself um, and which in turn will let you understand that I could protect the search. I do not need someone to, to, to get in there and, and help me, ha jack, you know, hand jack this handline through the structure. I could, I can maneuver this handline by myself. I could get through pinch points by myself. I have to understand how to, 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 to cool environment by myself and, can you can you search off of a off of a handline and have and trust your partner to protect you 100% absolutely which in turn not only are you putting out the fire but you are still doing the primary function of our job which is life safety we need to search these structures yeah and i'm going to i'm going to put it this way since you brought up Aaron Fields i respect the hell out of that guy i think he's done tremendous things but some of the stuff that he says in regards to like nozzle work directly relates to search as well right yes. so he talked he talks about what taking and making space can we not do that without the handline absolutely we can we talked about this earlier isolate. i can get into a building isolate right we do that with ves or veis whatever you choose to call it um but as we're going through as search crews and we're identifying these spaces and we're searching, we're closing doors and we're protecting that flow path and we're using our spring clamps on the doors to keep them shut from whatever we're doing, um, mm -hmm. we're having a tremendous impact. We are in that aspect taking and making space. Absolutely. And although we're not slinging water down a hallway and, and making the push, in that, in that same capacity, we are creating atmospheres for our potential victims or those who are confirmed to be trapped in those fires we're creating spaces for them that are more survival than they were if we never entered that building absolutely that's, that's the whole point in in my opinion um like i said I, you're gonna have people that are gonna disagree and and that's fine like that's the beautiful thing about these discussions like i don't have to agree with you but i can still respect the shit out of you you know 100 um, go ahead well, the, go ahead, Kirby. Uh, every every single thing that you guys are saying has been, and and just uh, I think Pablo said it earlier. Nothing that we talk about or we say, we're not reinventing the wheel. Fuck no, absolutely no. Like like, like the, the five of us on this computer screen right now, we're a bunch of dumb fucking firemen. <laughs> And, 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 and that's the reality of it. The the difference is, is that, and, and I'm going to steal my boy Greg's line a little bit, is we're just more organized with the way we give you guys the information. Yes. And, and, and that is the reality of it. Sure. So the fact that we're out here giving people the information and, and, and you guys are hitting on everything, it, it literally... It, it lets some of these guys know because some of the guys that are, are chiming in, I know for a fact are at smaller departments and especially at the smaller departments that, that some of, some of these guys haven't seen a fire in three years. Yeah. And that still doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that you're still a fucking fireman because guess what? 
you're going to get that call tomorrow, and they expect you to fucking be a top-tier fireman tomorrow. When that call drops, you better be a fucking top-tier guy. You're capable that fucking day. Right there. They do not care that, hey, I, didn't, I don't have a training site to train on. I don't have all that. They don't want to hear that. So the, the every single thing that you guys are hitting on is awesome. And it, the, the work that you guys are doing, John, is awesome. You guys are doing phenomenal work. Well, the the, the one th the one thing with that too is the uh, it's the fighter pilot analogy. Like those those guys, they don't see dog fights anymore like they did back in Pearl Harbor era and all that. But these guys train just as hard. And when and when they train like that, I mean, they're training on videos. They're training on everything they can possibly train on for that one encounter of less than thirty seconds. Hey, the 49ers, remember? Yeah, yeah. Piece of gold. Uh, fighter pilots, brother. Four, you lost me at the 49ers thing, dude. One other thing. Uh, uh, instead of that 49ers thing, um, uh, Sean, we don't talk like that on here, dude. That VEI, that VEIS. Don't don't talk mm -hmm. like that, bro. You got to be I hate no, that. Where's, where's I, the Chief Bentley at? Very intense search. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try to remember. I'll try to remember. I was like, where's Shane at? Yeah, that was beautiful. So, very so let, me, let, search. let me put it this way. Um, and, and this is not mine by any means. This came from Brian Brush and his article. Um, VES, -E Victims Expecting Search. Plain and simple, right? That's what we're after. I, I hate the fact that we put an I in there because we're automatically assuming that we can isolate and that just might not be the case. Absolutely. You know, so uh, when we're teaching people V-E-I-S, isolate, what happens when you get to the fucking door and there is no door? What are you going to do? Are you going to freak out and shit yourself because all of that's the training exactly is that I have to do. isolate? Yeah, you know, that's, exactly, so, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to freak out and come right back outside. That's a very good point. Yeah. Unless, so that, unless in their training they found no door and they address that uh, in training. Uh, right. Which, which Eric Wheaton – Eric Wheaton and the boys from Can Confidence and Vent Enterserch, they do a phenomenal job in teaching that in their class. And I think that's what we need to be focusing on is, hey, the intent here is if you can isolate by all means, that is the best thing to do. But um, you may not be able to. And, and here's, a, here's a taboo thing for you before talking about VES. Me personally, I, it cr I cringe when I see people taking the window and the sash with a ladder. I fucking hate it because yeah. here's the point. Um, you're, you're taking that window and you're giving that, that fire everything it needs. And when you hop in, if there's no door, you just fucked yourself. So wait till you're up there and you're on air and you're ready. And Take the, the window and, and the, the victim. victim. They're in there. Right. You're, it's, if we're talking about it's all about time, right? And, mm. and that's what we're going to preach. Time, time, time. Then realize that you just took time away from somebody if you're not on air and you're down there and you just take this ladder and you smash it against that window and you break everything out. If there's no door because somebody took it off, or or they're just that's a room that doesn't have a door for whatever reason, um, that's not a benefit to you or the victim. It would be better if you place the ladder where it's supposed to go, climbed up, put yourself on air, then took the window, or put yourself on air before you climbed the ladder, then took the window, right? Because once you take that glass, you can't put it back, right? You have changed the conditions, you've you've changed flow path, and 
everything that I've researched about Flowpath, it it's that um, that when we take those windows and we create that opposing flow paths like that, right? We have we have more exhaust or entry points than we do exhaust points. That's where firefighters get killed, right? Yeah. That's where we create flashovers and stuff like that. Yeah. So we we got to be mindful of what it is we're doing. So when we put acronyms to things like the EIS, that's essentially saying this is how you operate. Yeah. And that's not always the case of what we're going to be doing or what we face. And just after what Sean just said, for the, again, for the people watching, and I love that you mentioned that, bro, because you and I have never talked about this, but we're on the same page because we're very like-minded. Um, I, I, years ago, we taught our members, take the window, take the sash with the ladder when you're getting mm -hmm. ready to VES. Then the, then the studies came out and we understood what we were doing wrong. And now we're teaching our members, set your window up, set your ladder up for VES, mask up, make the window, yep. take the sash, take the glass, take the lady parts, the dressing of the inside of the window and make entry. Yep. Because, yeah. you know, all you're doing, all you're doing by taking that window from the ground, if it takes you 20 seconds, 30 seconds to mask up and make that ladder, you're changing the condition, the tenability of that room instantly. Yeah. You just created, you just get that fire. All it cares about is its next fucking breath. Yeah. And you just created an yeah. oxygen rich environment to an oxygen or vent limited environment. And we teach well, the same thing. Yeah. I'm a survival guy. So when we're teaching survival and we're teaching window bailouts, if you're going to take that window, the second you take that window, you've passed the point of no return. You take that window, you need yep. to be out of that room because that tenable environment that you refuge to, to bail out of that building because all shit went bad. Now you took the window, you just hit fast forward on that bell curve. And that room that you're in is no longer safety. You just gave that fire its next breath. So whenever we yeah. focus on yeah. firefighters' viability and bail out, we take that window last. Once you found your anchor, once you created your belt, once you're doing whatever you're doing with your department-specific gear and you're going out that window, you're not going to take the window and be like, oh, shit, dude, you know what? I ain't going to do that no more. No, you just created a real bad situation for yourself. Well, and yeah. let's 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 realistically look at it. Usually, the uh, the when that when that maneuver is happening, the person that's throwing the ladder and taking the sash is not the guy going in the window. Hmm. You know what I mean? So he's hitting the sash. You go up, you crawl into that shit, you get mm -hmm. smoked, and you're like, God, that was. It's, it's really hot, man. Like, what's going on in here? You know what I mean? I don't understand. But then if you're the guy that's doing it, you're like, you know what? I'm not doing that shit again. I'm going to throw the ladder. <laughs> I'm going to go up. I'm going to peek inside. I'm going to call for someone to make sure they're home. Then I'm going to take the window, drop into the building, see what's oh, going man. on. You know what I mean? Like, that. that's realistic yeah. how that goes down. So so if we're talking about it. a sense of, of realism and, and doing what makes sense, here's another uh, thing that, that might strike some nerves but that's okay like i it doesn't bother me um a lot of times people are teaching head first in which is how i was taught and i taught that for a lot of years too until i realized how much does our air packs really weigh usually generally like 27 pounds something like that right depending on the manufacturer um, 25 25 and a half for the msa yeah, right. So depending on what air pack you you have, it's it's different. But what is all right here? Usually, like clips and things like that. Your straps, your your regulator is right there in the center um, when you're plugged in. So I don't want to be going headfirst into anything where all this stuff can get snagged. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two. Um, once you make that commitment, and we sound the floor, we have to understand that the the strongest point of that floor is closest to the window where everything joins, right? As we branch out further, that's where the weakest points are. So we sound this thing we're like, yep, it's a solid floor. We dive in and then we take three steps and boof, through through the floor we go, right? 
um, conditions. We talk about conditions. What if, what if there is no door and things change rapidly? The point I'm getting at is I can live without my arm. I can live without my leg, but I cannot live without my airway. So when I dive in head first, uncontrolled into something, when, when fire conditions change within seconds like they do, that is a very tough position to get upright yourself and bail out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we take ourselves and we, we kind of protect the sill, we straddle ourselves in, we mm-hmm. give ourselves a high five, outside wall, inside wall, right? Mm-hmm. And we ease our way in and we get down. Mm-hmm. That's a much more controlled instance where if shit happens, I'm already in a bailout position. I just yeah. roll out the window and I hang there. And I say, hey, you know, yeah. like point I'm getting at is um, I don't want to trash the way that we're teaching things. I just want to see people think about people. why we're doing things and, and what makes more sense. Because when we tell people that this is how we do it, that's we tend to train it one way. And, and that's the way. And if somebody shows you different, they're like, nope, that's not it. We go head first. We take the window with a ladder because that's what we yeah. do. And we gotta Absolutely. get really, we really gotta get better at getting off the the checklist of acronyms and realizing that it's about functionality and doing what makes sense. We evolved, bro. We we evolved. You know, I used to I I used to be one of the guys that that, that would take a window, and then and then start masking up and stuff like that. Like, man, I get it. I, I get it. There are guys out there that mask up in four in four seconds. God bless you. You know, like I'm trying. You know, but point of the story is like, I now am a fan of. If I'm assigned to VES, I'm assigned to the rear, or I'm assigned to to, to the side to, to do a search. I'm my I'm full intention of searching. I'm about to take this window to go search, so I'm ready. To, I'm ready to work. Once I take the window, I'm ready to to go work. I don't want to take the window and then take a step back and then start masking up and this and that. Like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to work because the flow path is already starting to work in there. So, um, and then just a random thought about you know like because it's been a, a little bit of a joke with the very intense search. Um, just a random thought about like the intense, the intense search. When we're assigned to search, and I've heard this so many times over the years that I kind of like, I'm like, what, what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, uh, we, we search harder when it's like a, a pediatric, when it's a, when it's a this, when it's a that, like, I don't understand that. Um, for me, the structure the structure will di- dictate how I search. Um, and then the it being a pediatric or a geriatric might dictate or might lead me to, to uh, places of where they might be at as opposed to another place, you know, like a bedroom or, or, or out by a hallway or whatever, depending on, on where like a crib might be. But like the intensity of a search should never change based on what you are searching for. Like, if I'm working for for Cap Ramirez and Cap Ramirez assigns me to search, I am going to give you a 100% search of that structure depending uh, – or <clears throat> excuse me, uh, does not matter what I'm searching for. It could be a pediatric. It could be a geriatric. It could be, it could be a – if you tell me, hey, Pablo, uh, we got a uh, confirmed dog in there, you know, and, and, and all right, cool, Cap, you want me to search? Like, my assignment is to search, and I'm going to give you a search of the building to the best of my abilities. The What changes how I search is what I'm searching for and what the building is telling me, but depending on what type of structure – then I change the style of my search and depending on what I'm searching for is where I'm going to hit a, a, a little bit more, more points where they might be at a, a, more than, a, in a, in more than in another room, you know, like 
uh, uh, pediatrics might be sleeping with their parents. Okay, cool. I'll I'll I'll, know, I'll note that. You know, like uh, geriatrics. You know, might might be bedridden. You know, so I, I might note that things that I might note that might change the style of which I'm searching and how I'm searching. But my intention should never search. If I'm assigned to a search, I'm giving you 100%, no matter what I'm searching for. It's, it's funny what you were saying too, Sean, about checking outside of the window and all that. Uh, an old timer, this is one of the things that stuck with me when I was, you know, one or two years on, we were going in and it was, uh, they didn't even call it VES then. That's how old I am. It was called like ladder assist search or something like that. So anyways, you go in the second floor and I would go and I'd go in head first. And I was kind of like, God, this sucks, man. Like I'm hitting, I'm hitting pretty hard with this Halligan and an old timer just sitting there, you know, hanging out. He's like, Hey man, why don't you get a longer tool? And I was <laughs> like, Jesus, that's genius. And he goes, another <laughs> thing, instead of you hitting the ground like that, he goes, why don't you just swing a leg over, ease yourself down. So I'm like, man, this guy's this guy is cutting edge. You know, just mm-hmm. something as simple as that. And then yeah. um when I became a lieutenant, I always carried the hook. You know, you know, uh, granted it's a little cumbersome, it's six foot, it's a little bit longer. Um, but going over and doing VES and all that, it was uh I'm a, I mean, I'm I'm a whopping five six and one sixteenth. You know what I mean? So monster. So anyways, so, go, so so going over so going over with the hook, I used it to stay on the sill. I used it to check out inside of the room. You know, I, I used it to my advantage. So and that was just as simple as someone having some common sense back in the day going, Hey short stack, why don't you grab a bigger tool so you don't hit the ground so hard? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I thought it was genius. You know, with the going going in the window head first or, or we, I call it shouldering the building. That sandwich that you're creating with your hands outside wall, inside wall. You know, you show, I, call, I refer to it as shouldering the building whenever we're teaching the going in, straddling the windowsill, shouldering the outside wall, inside wall. Um, anytime that we teach it and we do the same thing with like uh, entanglements and, and stuff like that, you know, you always teach, I always teach the guys, listen, this is the way you probably should do it because it works real well in case you got to get out. But if you can't because you get to that window and you find a dress or a mirror, a bed, a rail that you can't now doesn't allow you to put your leg in the building. You also need to have a plan B. Your plan B, B may be still going head first in the window. So, you know, mm-hmm. you give them a plan A and a plan B or a primary and a contingency plan or a prime. So, you know, that pace algorithm where you're going, you know, uh, and I've heard uh, Pauly Capital talk about it as well. You have your primary action plan. You have your your alternate plan, your contingency plan, and then your emergent plan. And every skill has to have a couple of those. Similar to when we're talking about like uh, getting through a, a, some type of low profile survival survival problem. We're talking about, listen, your primary action plan is going to be position your body. Your alternate plan is going to be arrange your gear. Your contingency plan and, that, and none of those two work is going to be maybe a, a position your gear and your body. And then your emergent plan is to finally take off your air pack, pass it through the hole, get through it and get it back on. So every time that we teach a skill, we give them three different ways to do that skill in order to give them as many reps as possible so that when they get to that, you know, that shit that never happens, happens all the time situation, they have a, they have a file in their hard drive they can refer back to, which at one time in their career resulted in a positive outcome. And that's what they're going to go to at that moment, you know? And, and, and I really enjoy teaching because of those reasons, because you get to fill the brain with so many cool things. And, and I love the going in shoulder first or feet first, I'm sorry. And, but if that doesn't work, we have to be able to transition seamlessly into a head first dive. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was just telling somebody just now, like, my views and what I teach are by no means the only way. 
right? It's just merely a way. All I ask when we do these things is that people open their minds to another possibility. I love right? that. Conditions are going to dictate what our tactics are. Plain and All simple. Good. So, like you said, I, hey, I'm not saying not to go in head first. I'm just saying like hey do we need to do that all the time i'm not saying you know that that we have to go straight to the door and close it do we have to do that all the time you know there no fire is the same you know and and that's where we have to if we're professionals we have to understand and humble ourselves that like hey just because i'm trained this way doesn't mean that i shouldn't open my mind to other ways because there may come a time where i have to do this one thing and that might be the difference between saving my ass or somebody else's ass. But if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm only focused on one way because I'm stubborn and arrogant, then in my opinion, you're, you're just a one track fireman. You're no good to me because I need somebody who's easily adaptable to the situation they're facing. Yeah. Hey, so, uh, real quick, uh, I, I, I think Pablo hit on it earlier talking about the younger generation that's coming up and, and, and people that are uh, eventually going to take our spots. You know what I'm saying? Like Greg, Greg's knocking on death's door any, any day now. <laughs> but so Greg actually taught, he actually taught my new boy school when I, when I got hired. So he, and, and, and we talk about mentors and stuff like that. Like he was one of my mentors. How you um, passed. I'll never know. The, the verdict's still out. But so, so here, here, here's a younger guy in fire service that, that I met, and he has a question for you guys, uh, Tyler Whitfield. Uh, this kid is made up with it. He goes to all the training events, all about it. And uh, uh, Greg and I literally got to meet him. We did a uh, little event with uh, Cigar City Fools two weeks ago. And literally the fireman's fireman. He is eager to learn, just wants to learn every possible thing he can learn. And uh, that shit makes, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for all five of them. When when you have those students in your class that want to learn and are just picking your brain nonstop, it makes our job as instructors so much easier because yeah. it 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 shows what we're doing is is the right thing. And uh, so his question for you guys were what what are your thoughts about searching ahead of the hose line? He said, our truck companies train and operate this way, but it also blows people's minds still and causes issues in the surrounding uh, areas because uh, command tries to uh, tends to lose their mind on it. So what's your guys' take on that? That's real, real quick, real quick, Sean. And, and I'll, Go uh, ahead, buddy. Todd, by the way, uh, I could not say any, I mean, any more good things about Tyler. I, I know him personally. The, the kid's the real deal, man. And Seriously, bro. I uh, uh, love that. Every single training that I've damn near gone to in the state of Florida, I see Tyler. He's a real deal, man. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, truck work. All right. I, I get it. I, so real quick before my disclaimer is my engine guys out there. I get it. I understand uh, how as the first line goes, the fire goes. You can't fuck up the first line. You're going to burn the building. I get it. Don't baby the that. engine guys, man. Don't baby. <laughs> no, I, I Say it to. how it is, bro. I have to. I have to. Poor little fellas. But to, Weasel you know, wagons. Poor little fellas. But <laughs> truck work, especially in the suburban setting, in which most of us fight fire in, truck work can control the building. If you are a good truckie, 
from the interior and exterior, the OVM and the interior, you could absolutely control the building, control the search via, via uh, even a, a small little uh, two and a half gallon water can to just isolating a fucking door to putting the, the hole in the right place, whether it be vertical or horizontal. Truck work controls the building. I, could, I couldn't agree more because um, we talked about that uh, back in the day that the tr- when we were starting to push the squad concept and the truck company at the department I work for, and it, w- it was a knockdown drag out argument, but it came down as the truck controls the building, the engine controls the fire, the rescues control the search. And if That's you get mean. those three guys or companies pushing like that flawlessly, which is why we went engine guys do water shit, hoses and engines and fucking OS and Ys and all that. That's your shit. The building, tearing it open, doing what we got to do methodically and correctly, that's going to be the truck company, guys. That means our rescues, our squads, and other units personally can search. And, and, and that's it. That's, that's in a nutshell. That's how it works. That's why I gravitate yeah. so much to truck work. That uh, and you know, like I, I get it. I, you know, like we we don't you know we we don't work for New York or or or, or, or Chicago, or whatever. But I gravitate a fuck ton to truck work, even the, even the, even in the suburban setting, um, because to me the engine, you could it's don't get me wrong. The engine is fun. You you you're you're on you're on the pipe. You're fucking putting the water out. It's fun. I, I putting the water on the fire. It's fun. I get it. But what, but. Truck work, legitimately, you have to understand what you're doing. You really don't start understanding the fire ground until you start working on a truck or doing truck functions, excuse me, off of an engine or off of a, off of a, a, a fire-based ambulance, and you're doing truck functions, and every action that you do has an opposite and equal reaction in which you are literally, you can either help or hinder the scene. By what you're doing and what and how you're placing a hole or putting or, or shutting a door or even something as simple as simple simple as interior truck work while you're fucking pulling ceiling and the and the hose line is not in place yet and you put and you find a and, and you go into a bedroom or a closet or whatever the fuck you poke a hole in the ceiling you find fire and you keep on pulling and you keep on pulling and you keep on pulling and the hose line is not in place yet you just burn half the fucking attic down hold on you find you yeah. find a hole stop or you put a, you, you put a hole you ha- you have some fire. Stop, stop, isolate that real quick. Isolate it if you can. If you're in a closet, close the fucking closet door. Wait until the morning. I love that. Every everything that you do from interior to exterior truck work, you control the building. Yeah. I had a guy tell me well, that one I'll, time. I'll... Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Robert. I was no, gonna I, say I was I'm, just... gonna, I'm gonna add to what he said. Go ahead, go ahead. All I was gonna say is this goes back to what we were talking about. All the way in the beginning uh, of sizing up your search effort, right? Putting crews ahead of the handline, I think, is important, okay? It, obviously, it depends on what unit gets there first, right? If your engine company is there first and they have the line, they got the water, then it makes sense for them to stretch the line and start going towards the fire. However, while they're doing that, they could be searching along the way because a lot of our victims are found, what, in the flow paths, right? That's where we're finding our victims, either A, fire room, B, room adjacent to, or C, in the flow path, right? So that's where the fire attack crew is going to go. If if you are there at the same time, let the search crew go first, plain and simple, okay? Because what do we tell everybody? When you search, go closest to the fire and work your way Mm -hmm. back. 
you are in my fucking way if you go ahead of me. You're slowing mm -hmm. me down. And time is of essence. And when we talk about modern fire growth, it's measured in seconds, not minutes. Plain and simple. So I have to get in there. I'm sorry if, if that's a problem for you. Hey. You'll, you'll get to your fire. I promise you. But I'm the one doing the searching and I need to clear these areas first because what happens is the fire attack team tends to go to the fire and they tend to focus on the fire. Okay. Which is their primary mission. And then what two guys, three guys, maybe on a hand line are focused on this moth to the flame, like mm -hmm. fire and they're not searching behind them. It only takes mm -hmm. one guy to put out the damn fire. So guess what? If, if you're going to be so focused on that and you're not going to look at like where your crews are positioned, like I have my nozzle man here at the fire and then the guy behind the nozzle man is turned the opposite direction, monitoring conditions, then let me go first so that yeah. I can clear that space before you clog my, my pathway to it. Hey, um, a hose line has reached. A hose a line has reached. I can only stretch, I stretch about six foot plus my hook. Facts. Well, I mean, what, what do they say? A stream will reach 75 feet or whatever. You know what I mean? So if you've got reach and you can hit that from a distance, then really, couldn't you protect my search effort with your hand line and then let yeah. me clear those spaces and then push in? You absolutely, absolutely. could. So why are we fighting on um, search can't go until the line goes? No, man. Well, I could be searching. You come behind me and protect my search effort and we're killing two birds with one stone. So yeah. what's the problem? Yeah, but 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 it also boils down to the the fact of every single person on the fire ground feels as if their position is the most important at that time. Absolutely, yeah. and I and, and 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 one hundred percent, you you should take it as that is the most important job. But we are there for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, damn. I apologize, COVID. <laughs> we're, we're oh, no, right no. Now. Guys, guys. Here, um, here's what i'm going to say her to that we are there for them right 100 percent. so think about this for a second every everybody should feel that their job is the most important because it is every job on the fire ground is important hands down where we get in trouble is when i have a fire attack team that doesn't want to help me so if, I, if I'm trying to push through and you're clogging the hallway and I'm like, hey, man, let me get past. And then maybe we're doing a split search and my partner's searching a different room than I am and I find a victim. Why can't I take the second or third guy on the hand line to help put hands on that victim and drag them till I can get back to my partner? Mm -hmm. Instead, what we do is we clog the hallway and we yell and we scream at each other. Get the fuck out of my way. Move, move, move. Yep. And we don't work together. So yep. that's really what I think the problem is, is it's not a matter of who gets there first or what's important over the other. It's a matter of saying, Hey, your job's equally as important as mine, but this is what needs to happen. Let's work together. Yep. Right? If I'm ahead of the hand line and I'm searching these spaces, maybe the fire attack team hasn't gotten there yet. So what can we do? We can close that door, right? Like we said, and then tell them as we're searching, Hey guys, your fire's down to the right. The door is closed. I just told them everything they need to know. In the yeah. meantime, I'm searching and I'm out of their way. So um, that's where it becomes that training. And we do that in our search class. We purposely put the search crew ahead of the handline and we have the handline and the search crew meet for a reason so they can work through it. Generally, there's a victim right by the fire room. And every single time we have the, the fire attack team focused on the fire, they don't even touch that victim. 
which is mind-boggling to me because it's like, dude, somebody go put their hands on that victim and start dragging them away from that fire until the search team can meet up with you and then you just pass off and then you go back to what you're doing. Um, so that's that communication drill that we work on. We don't do that enough. And I think that's why we don't, we, we aren't comfortable with letting the search team head of the handline. Uh, and we feel the need that they have to take precedence over the search. Well, and, but, but it also goes back to that, that mindset of, and an old timer once told me, he goes, Hey, listen, so when, when you go, when you come in, he goes, your first fire, you're, you're going to have these blinders on. He goes, and slowly throughout time, those blinders are going to open up. And the the fact of the matter is, I, I, I don't care where you work. No one is fighting fires as much as we want to. Nope. So blinders are on. Yeah. But it's through your training. It's through yeah. all that those repetitions that you're doing that – yeah, your blinder is going to be on, but but as, to take a take a word from my my man uh, Rob, you're going to go into your hard drive and be like, "Hey, listen, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Let me open it up a little bit." Oh fuck, okay, yeah, I'm on the hand line, but guess what? There's a victim right here. I don't give a fuck about the house. Let's get this <laughs> away from yeah. harm's way, and let's do that. And and, well, and and you've seen that through so much training that people just don't realize. Mm-hmm. because of those well, blinders. The blinders are on. Well, what you're talking about blinders too is people need to realize that a fire does not have to be large to be deadly, right? It, it's about exposure, duration, and time. So you can have a large exposure over a short amount of time, have a fatal outcome, or you could be in there for a short amount of time, but what you're exposed to is of higher concentrations and you're done. And I don't know if that makes sense to people, but that's really what the purpose is, is what are they exposed to? How long have they been in there? I don't care if fire's blowing out like two or three windows. This could be a small fire, but the fact that it's gone undetected and they've been exposed to those elements has a fatal outcome. So if the time it takes me to show up, force a door, do whatever, come into a window, grab that, that victim and get them out is shorter than it is for me to stretch a line and work my way through that house and fight that fire, then that's what needs to happen. End of discussion. There needs to be no debate about it. You know, we have to start doing the things that are of greater benefit to our victims who are in these environments. And the studies show that, right? So if we can understand that, I think that maybe we can get over our egos of, um, Truck has to search. Engine has to do the line. Like, really, it doesn't matter. Somebody go get the people, and then we'll yeah. figure out the rest here. Especially you know for us mean? here in the state of Florida, where we throw fucking audibles. We have to. We have yeah. to. This is what we have over over uh, a lot of other states, a lot of our counterparts in which we uh, look up to, so to speak. You know, like the big major American cities. Like we throw audibles. We throw audibles like there's like no others, bro. Like no others. So and that's something that 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 it's definitely we have to hit on the training, the audibles. Yeah, for so sure. We, listen, Absolutely. Just, I want to take I want to take a take a look at uh, Tyler's question. And every time that we teach a class, and, and I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna answer this question directly or just cause more confusion. But if we're teaching an engine class, we talk about, for example, the, the engine engine class that we do. And I've seen uh, Stephen Negley comment a couple of times. So. The engine company class that we do, we've been doing in Orlando for 10 years at the Orlando Fire Conference. We teach 
a portion of the class that's searching and advancing or searching and stretching. And we talk about anytime that you're in a building, and I'm a huge believer in this, anytime that you're in a building, I don't give a fuck if you're an engine company, a red team, a search team, a truck, a squad, a rescue, OV, roof. If you're in a building, you're searching. You're conducting some form of search. You're either searching for bodies or searching for fire. fire. And then, yep. the data, then the data tells us, and Sean just mentioned it earlier, that as we're that hose line takes that path of entry, be it the alpha side front door, the side door, whatever the normal door is that these people use day in and day out to get in and out of their structure, that's where you're going to find the most of your victims statistically. After that, it's going to be nearest to the fire room or adjacent to it. Or the fire room itself, number three. If you look at the data itself. Right. So as you're stretching and advancing on an engine company, you should be conducting some form of search. Mm -hmm. You can operate on a truck with the priority being life safety and life rescue. So the truck and the engine can work, auto work, work autonomously but together to conduct the same thing. Uh, um, it increases everything. It increases the victim survivability. increases our survivability. Uh, most yeah. firefighter rescue, most firefighter rescues and most uh, maydays were resolved 88% of the time by members already in the building, whether it was a truck, an adjacent company, another truck company, another engine company who heard Rob call the mayday and Sean was in the room next door pulling ceiling or Pablo was making a stretch and saw me in the hallway. So I just passed Rob. I'm going to go back five feet, make a left and find him. You know, so 88% of the time, 88% of the time shit gets better when we're in the building. Now, engines should be conducting some form of search and stretching while maintaining, listen, while maintaining first two engine company discipline, your job yeah. is to get the line to the fire. FDNY commits two fucking engines to the first line. That's 10 people to one hose line because they understand the importance of getting the hose line to the fire. Once the fire's out, everything's better. We understand yeah. that. Okay. But man, you can't, like Sean said, you start prioritizing one over the other and you get yourself in a pickle. They're both equally important. They can both work autonomous, autonomously, but together. But as many people as we can get in the building, let's get them in there right away. And everyone in the building needs to be conducting some form of search. To answer uh, Tyler's question, I completely agree with getting a truck company in there, searching ahead and above the fire and the hose line whenever possible, because it is our job to trace bases of the people that are in there. We're fully encapsulated in the yeah. best Lion gear or whatever company you're wearing that money can buy. And they're sitting there in pajamas and their airway can take only whatever Sean said earlier, 160 degrees. And well, according to Greg's, according to Greg's mind calendar drawing of, of strategies and tactics, we have to support the search. And I, I knew you could read the mind calendar. I knew it, dude. Hey, so <laughs> to, add to, to, to add to that too, though. Um, so that there, there's a lot more that goes to that too. I, I get it. You know, you got to shorten your answer up, but it ha it's still going to be a little bit long, but the conditions right. are going to dictate. So the training, going back to the training of how to, how to size the building up, how to check the conditions, where's it pushing, where's your vent points. There's a lot of that to go into when I can push out in front of the engine. I mean, if, if it's ripping floor to ceiling, you're not crawling through fire. That's when you go to the outside of the building, you can do VES on the first floor, which people don't realize, hey, man, you don't always have to have a ladder to throw it to the second floor to call it VES. You can dive in a window and get in, get behind the fire, search the rest of the building, go out the back door, that type deal. That's but, why I'm – go, the, ahead, big go ahead. the big problem is, is I think everybody is trying to safety themselves out of being effective. And and one hundred percent. That is like, come on, you're gonna get a little soot on your nose. You might have a little, 
you know, yeah. your, your ears might blister a little bit, you know, something along that lines, you're going to get hot, you're going to get uncomfortable. Um, you know, things are going to happen, but you, you absolutely have to handle your tasks. What, whatever your task is tactically, whatever your task may be, have to be. Oh, huge, huge, huge to piggyback on what you just said, the incoming rescue. You will have to talk to your blue in the face to convince me otherwise needs to do a 360 of the structure to figure out exactly what's going on in that structure, what the building is telling you, what the fire is telling you before you get in. Don't just do a blind, I'm going <laughs> right, I'm going left. I'm reading Negley's comment. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't I can't see it. What is it? I got your phone. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, bro. Bro. <laughs> I'm gonna get your computer, right. Pablo. <laughs> so Megley so said, "Hey, so engines can search, engines rule." And then he goes, "Trucks can't touch those; they're allergic." Hey, that's an engine, man. <laughs> that's an engine, man. Well, hey, hey, so Greg, to uh, to touch on what you were talking about, and uh, we we hit on it earlier. It we literally are safetying ourselves out of a fucking job. Yeah, and. There's fucking SOPs. There's there's everything for fucking safety. And and it started with clean cab. It started with fucking all this nonsense. And the reality is, look, every single person that got into the fire service realized that, hey, there's a potential that something bad could happen. And uh, so so I had the opportunity to be with Rob today. And, uh, and we were talking to one of the GOATs. Uh, Bill Gustin, mm. and he, he said something that was fucking classic, and me, me and Rob laughed about it and drank a beer over it. And it was it was talking about the coronavirus, and and it uh, it all ties in together. He goes, "Hey, he goes, he goes, everyone's so fucking scared of the coronavirus. He goes, you're more likely to die driving home." So he taps uh, Rob on the back. He goes, "Hey." You know what? Just walk home instead. And literally turned around and walked away. And, and, and that's the reality of it. We, we are safeguarding ourselves out of a job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my, my phone, my phone must have been broken today to go down there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, so before, so before you know it, we're 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 going to end up trying to be so safety conscious that. There, there is going to be no more interior firefighting if, 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 if they keep trying to go the way they're going. Absolutely. The, the reality is that we're fucking firemen. We signed up for a job. And stop being a bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, I, I, mean, I mean, there's no other way to say it. Stop being a bitch. Do your job. And, and let's leave it at that. Wait, wait, Greg. Greg, Greg what is it? They write policies for the weak person. Fact, and you can't manage. You're fear. welcome you for that. Risk. Yo, you cannot manage risk from a position of fear. Well, and so fear is a lousy, lousy leader. You cannot be the leader who's way leaning so heavily on fear and safety that you do not operate and and do your job. Your your job is important. Yeah. So, so here's a, I mean, here's another thing. I, I read the book. Um, Alex Honnold. He's a uh, he's a free climber. He's a, he's unbelievable. The way this dude focuses on stuff. But in his book, he talks about risk versus consequence. And, and, and I, when he did, I actually read that section again.
because I was like, that is so money. What he's saying, he was, he was like, I can control the risk. I can drop the risk down to minimum to where I, he's free climbing these, whatever, 2,800, 3,000 square foot or 3,000 foot walls. He's like, I can eliminate, I can eliminate the risk down to zero. He goes, but if I lose focus or I don't do what I'm supposed to, I can't control the consequences that are going to happen. And when he said that, I was like, that is so 100% fire service. It, it, I don't even, I don't even know where to go from that. He just, it blew my mind. I wrote it down and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to use it, but I'm definitely going to say it one time somewhere uh, and i did said, you there you go. i said so i'm my, done my question when did we stop seriously when did we stop making decisions off of tactics and started making decisions off of fear that's you know that, that's you could we could have we could go into day two on this you know like i make i make tactical i make tactical decisions on the fire ground and this is me by the way when i say i make for everybody that's watching me as a tailboard, yes, I make tactical decisions on the fire ground as to how I'm going to attack certain things, how how I'm going to throw a ladder, where I'm going to begin my search, how I'm going to search, et cetera, et cetera, how I'm going to stretch. Yes, as a tailboard, I make tactical decisions on a fire ground based off of tactical knowledge, not I've got off a name. Fear. I've got a name. What's the name, Greg? Tailboard intuition, backseat intuition. Back. That's what it's That's called. It. Tom. Tom Johnson can't can't take credit for that, but those guys say that in their book. Oh, and by the way, uh, boom came, came in, boom. came in. Tom, boom. I can't believe he charged me one hundred and sixty dollars for that though. But whatever, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but no, anyways, stop. the uh, tailboard or backseat intuition, and when we were talking about that with Tom, even <laughs> off air, I, I, it was money. Their podcast talks about it as well. It was like. Now, when I go back with certain things, you know, that, that I look at, you got to have that, you got to have that, that tailboard, that backseat intuition to where that dude is going to make decisions. It's going to make my life easier from sitting in the front. Oh, dude, 100%. I'm so big on, and I, when I, whenever I, uh, I talk about this with anybody, I say, my job, my job is to make sure that you never have to do my job. At the point that you have to do my job, that means that I'm taking away from you doing your job. I know that's a little bit of a runaround, but think about that for, for a second. At the point that you are no longer giving 100% to being the officer in charge of that scene because you have to give 10% to fucking making sure that I'm not fumble fucking the line or fumble fucking whatever the hell I'm, I'm doing. At that point, you're not giving 100% of making sure that that scene is running smooth up to and including keeping me safe. Because I am fumble fucking your job by not doing my job. One hundred percent. I like it. Does that does that count with um signing off all the narcotics and medications? Because I'm pretty much horrible at that. <laughs> hey, so. I'm an EMT dog. <laughs> wow, hey, there go, man. That doesn't matter. Hey, hey, so. hey Sean and, uh, and, and and Pablo, man, we truly appreciate you guys coming in. And uh, we want we want to sit here and do this again with you guys. So, so we appreciate all the nuggets you guys have dropped. Everything on the guys, it, it's been amazing. Uh, I'm talking to Rob. Hold on, Hold on. somebody's got somebody's got some feedback going on. Is anyone? I think it's John. I think it's John. Nope. Nope. Not I. Not Anyone? Anyone? No. Might be Someone you. Might be. 
Okay, we're getting time. Is it good now? I think it's good now. Nope. Nope. All right. What? Pablo and uh, Sean, man, we appreciate you guys coming in. Honestly. Uh, we, we want you guys to come back. Uh, hey, uh, Pablo, Josh Castro said he's not giving us that, so you take your shirt off. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Uh, uh, hey, 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 Rob, hey, how, how many F bombs did Pablo drop tonight? I stopped counting at 274. Listen, <laughs> 274. That's a solid number. That's um, solid. That's solid. Yeah. Uh, Josh, uh, no, I won't do that. Uh, real quick, man, I'll leave you guys on this and, and I just, I will hate myself if I don't talk about this. Anybody out there that wants to teach, anybody out there. Please do yourself a favor. Learn, yeah, learn, teach. I, I, I really want people to teach. I want everybody to be a badass. I want badasses to my left. I want badasses to my right. I want badasses in front of me. I don't want anybody to not be a badass. You want to fucking teach, teach. But if there's one piece of advice that I'll give anybody out there is don't overstep the boundaries of what you can teach. Um, I don't work for New York City. I'm not going to fucking teach um, you know, how to take bulkhead doors because I would look like a fucking buffoon. Um, Sean and I are, are bread and butter stuff that we are passionate about. Lays, it stays on the private dwelling because that's what our bread and butter is. And uh, the low staff, uh, the low staff company, the low staff truck company, the low staff search, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's where the bread and butter is. You know, truck work off of an ambulance. That's where the bread and butter is. Um, I'm not going to go and, and try to teach a squad company uh, uh, class. I'm not going to try to go do things that, that, that is out of my, my bread and butter. Can I do them? You know, can I do them? Yes. Um, you know, can I, uh, but is it something that's like us, I, that I'm a, that I do at my own work? No. So I try to, I, well, I don't, I do not teach anything that is out of my, bread and butter and that's basically if i was going to give anybody some advice out there because i know there's a lot of guys out there i've always that even have reached out to us like hey can we teach with you can we do this can we do this man i want everybody to fucking teach i want everybody to be a badass but just stick i'm not trying to say stick to your lane but just understand what you're teaching and just make sure that you're not teaching something that that you don't do that you're just regurgitating off of someone that that, that, that you heard so um yeah yeah you know that's so that's I'm going to add to that, Pablo. Understand, like, when you take it upon yourself to be an instructor and teach something, you're directly liable for what happens. When people come to your classes or they read something that you post and they choose to do that, that's on you. So when they get hurt or killed or, you know, anything of that nature... Your words and what you're teaching has an impact. You better make sure that it's correct. Um, state of Florida, unfortunately, is very lax on what the requirements for uh, instructors are. Anybody can teach a class. You can make a curriculum, you can teach it. That doesn't mean that what you're teaching is right. So, so just be careful just be who careful you choose to listen, to listen to and make sure and you make validate sure that, that information 
and the person who's teaching it before you put your doc in it. Absolutely. Ask. Ask. Whenever someone's giving you fucking uh, 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 direction, ask. Ask questions. Don't just fucking go back to the firehouse. Somebody cut some the guy, you know, some guy in a really tight shirt wearing train to live fucking told me to, uh, to do something. <laughs> no, no, man. Ask, ask about your, ask about your instructors. Find out where they're from. Hey man, is this guy fucking teaching me about, you know, like, uh, uh, uh how to take bulkhead doors, but fucking man, he, man, he, his, his first two district is just literally private dwellings. What the fuck is this? You know, like, uh, Hey, is this guy teaching me, you know, the, the this guy's teaching me low staffing, uh, a, a, a low staffing truck company, but you know, he works in a, a on a tiller company and fucking, you know, whatever city that's fucking dropping eight guys on a tiller, you know, like, damn. So ask, ask and find out and, um, I, I, and ask questions, ask a lot of questions because like these guys hit up, hit up earlier, uh, with Tyler, for example, we love it. We love it when you ask questions because it, you know, like it, it make it, it, it shows us that you're engaged and at the same time, it, it makes us show you guys that we're just not randomly regurgitating shit off of a book. So uh, please ask questions and find out who your instructors are. Really, 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 really. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, uh, so, thank you, guys. Hey, Appreciate hey. you. Thank you for having us on. Seriously. Thank you. No, 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 yes, hey. thank you. Thank you. Hey, Pablo, bro. Uh, we want to get you guys back on. Uh, fucking phenomenal. And uh, we'll be in contact soon. Absolutely, I say we uh, I say we hit this again because this this subject can never be uh, beat up too much. This is a big deal. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you, boys. Seriously. Thank you very much. All right, boys. Later, Pablo. Later, Pablo. Yo. Yo. Nuggets. Oh, nuggets on nuggets. Those guys were awesome. Dude, I got three pages of those, man. Nuggets for drop, boys. Uh, great, great fucking dude. Uh, passionate about their craft, and, and, and that's what brings guys like us. It, it, there's a small group of guys that are, are literally just gravitate to each other. Sean, Pablo, those guys, we, we all gravitate towards each other because of we're all in it for the same reason. You're, you're, you're not in this job for money Every, everyone knows that you are not going to get rich being a fireman we do this shit because we care and uh fucking phenomenal i i i can't say enough great things about this podcast and, and what happened i totally agree with you herb had a blast these guys came came up and uh, hit a home run they i knew they would they give great information their classes are solid they've been they've been uh, doing a lot of training the last year two three four uh all over the circuit uh, I, I, I knew that we would have a great time with them and the information they have is relevant. And, and, you know, we're a Florida, South Florida based company, they're central Florida guys, and it was relevant to our, our immediate audience. And I hope that anyone that was watching tonight got something out of it. Thank you for signing on. Uh, I personally want to thank every name I recognized on the other night, man. I actually wrote them down. If you give me a second, you know, Jason Lynn from Hillsborough, Dan Jodwin, Marion County, Savedra from the beach, Danny Erickson from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Tyler from Clearwater, Steve Nagley, OFD and OFC, uh, Shane Bentley and Lee Humphreys from Georgia, Josh Castro from Cigar City Fools, and the list goes on and on and on. So many of you guys chimed in tonight. People I look up to, people I admire from afar, guys that are like-minded and I consider brothers. And and thank you for this opportunity to like let us sit around and talk shop and you guys listen to it. And, and if you grab one thing out of this fucking podcast, man, it was a home run and I hope you enjoyed your Friday night. God bless, man.
Hey, 100. What about you, Greg? Anything? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, I liked that there's no egos on this show. Um, we talk a little smack. Um, we we admit our faults and we try to make it better. And uh, I think when you're in this arena, and just like Sean said, man, you're you're delivering information to people, and they're they're going to hold that info until you're proven wrong or going somewhere else or something along that lines. Um, I think it's a big deal. So it, it makes me stay on top of my game, and um, I think I got quite a bit to quite a bit of little things, little nuggets here and there to offer. And uh, I enjoy doing it. And then when you start talking to people like Sean and Pablo, they start shaking cobwebs loose out of your head, or they start making you Mm want to dig deeper into something that you think you know about, but you don't really know about, you know? And, uh, and I think that's cool, man. Um, And, uh, and and I got a couple things to look up that they brought up. And I got a couple things that, uh, I'm gonna do a little bit different with my crew, especially when I go teach, man. When I go do stuff, I'm gonna reach out a little bit, uh, a little bit more. I, f- I feel we do, but I-, I think you can reach out more. Um, the one thing I do want to do is um, on a on my little truck company ops uh, app that I have or uh, Instagram that I got going on. I had some uh, hard headed fools from Little Rock, Arkansas, hit out to me, reach out to me today, and uh, I missed their picture. 35 weeks ago or something like that. And uh, they reached out to me and they were talking and they were talking about some search and some writ and stuff like that. So I'm going to give the hard headed fools out of Arkansas a little shout out. And I do appreciate it. Sorry. I missed that pick. Well, so uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Like uh, Rob said, we appreciate you guys tuning in. It's uh, I say it every time the feedback has been phenomenal. Uh, we're we're nothing special. We're just uh, we're a bunch of like-minded firemen that are trying to pass on information to you guys. Uh, so, with a couple of announcements, we got two spots left for the uh, Advanced Rescue and Survival School coming up. Uh, it's going to be at Indian River Treasure Coast Fools are, are holding the uh, Brotherhood Bash the night of the eighth uh, of January. It's uh it's going to be a ball buster of a class. We're looking forward to it. We have uh, the Dirty South Engine and Truck School coming up in March. Uh, I believe it's the 9th through the 12th. That's going to be held at Indian River Fire College. So so we're looking forward to that as well. And then, uh, as always, we want to thank the sponsors, uh, Breachpoint USAR, Hydrant Wear Apparel, uh, First Do Screen Printing. If you guys haven't checked those guys out, uh, they are the sole provider of NRC. They do all the all the shirts, everything, the hats, jackets, everything. They they are the guys who take care of us. Uh, MEC uh, MECO Fire. Uh, they are your equipment needs. They they are going to take care of you guys. Uh, reach out to them for all your equipment needs. Uh, the best in the game, honestly. Uh, the Camman Radio Show and then Nozelman Leather. If you guys need anything from uh, any leather works for chin straps, anything like that, reach out to Nozzleman Leather. And uh, with that being said, one hell of a podcast, boys. I had a blast, my gentlemen. I had a blast. Hey, always a pleasure. Greg, Rob, I'll see you guys on the next one. All right on. Take care, boys.